Gene Hackman's final role, Gen X gets its own movie and a double dose of Pompeii this week on 30-20-10. Hello everyone and welcome to 30-20-10, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you on a funny little anniversary-ration journey back 30, 20, and 10 years ago, looking at all our favorite movies, TV, video games, and more uh, that released 30, 20, and 10 years ago. From our recording window, it's February 16th to the 22nd, 1994, 2004, and 2014. Get it? 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Milestones, anniversaries. It's going to be fun. Hi, one of yours, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and thinking too hard gives you wrinkles. True. Now let's wear makeup so the boys will like us. <laughs> and I'm J.R. Rawls, and my dad bought me a BMW and gave me free gas for years, <laughs> so he's the villain, and I'm the victim, and oh, God, you horrible garbage person. God, I'm choking on my own bile here. I can't so- wait. <laughs> can't wait. Talk about what that <laughs> reference is from. Uh, hey, it was an old B&W, man. Who cares? Mitchell. <laughs> uh, I can't wait to get into whatever that is. But uh, yeah, we're starting February 16th through the 22nd. If you don't know what we do, we uh, chronicle uh, not our favorite, but what happened during a, a week period 30, 20, and 10 years ago to see so we can help see how far we've gone, how far we haven't come. And it really does establish exactly where I was and what I was doing, especially by one of the things this week. I know what I missed, and uh, one of my first bouts in a pre-internet era with lost entertainment. Um, so I can't wait to talk about that. Hi, everyone. Oh, and also thank you for our patrons. Patreon.com slash Laser Time. got extra shows for you. Give us five bucks. We'll give you extra shows. You'll support a good cause and get hundreds of free bonus bonus shows and help support us, Video Game Apocalypse, and more. Okay. February 16th to the 22nd, 1994. Let's begin. You guys ready? I know you are. Uh, the Pope condemns European Parliament resolution calling for homosexual couples to be allowed to marry and adopt children. Remember we had an uncool Pope? Tired of the... I, I don't know which one I hate more. I hate the cool Pope who who quietly hates stuff and fights against progress. Give me a, give me a villainous Pope from the 1990s. <laughs> a true villainous Pope. Pope John Paul was very popular in his lifetime. He was. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, he yeah. did a lot of good stuff. He did a lot of shitty stuff. Hugely, po- I'm, I, I'm an popes are. I'm an Italian Catholic. Like the Pope is a fucking celebrity. I don't know. I lost. I lost every Buca di Beppo in every town I've ever been to. But my family very seriously would rent out the Pope room for graduations and anniversaries. The older folks would say things in Italian to the Pope. They really, really liked the Pope. <laughs> the Pope, uh, as they called him. Now that was a state sketch. Yeah. Sorry, what is the Pope room? The Pope, the oh, the Pope room at Buca de Beppo was the bi- It was all family style. If you remember that restaurant, you just buy like oh, you never went there. No. So imagine Olive Garden, it. but you could only order. Uh, I'll have the half ton of pasta, and it would wheel a uh, wheel around a lazy Susan with a Pope's head, a one one size of the Pope's uh, head and bust in the middle of the table and you would everything would be served family style around the pope you're not making this up no you're this, not, this is a fucking you chain literally you ate out of the pope's head not at, from the pope's head not out of the it's not temple of doom it's, yeah. it's but, that is what i pictured i was picturing you know monkey brains except pope brains no it was called it was called not this 
when my grandfather died, the only thing I could think to do was go to the San Francisco Buca de Beppo and eat where he liked to eat. And we couldn't get the Pope room. You didn't, you didn't go to mass. No, no, no. no. Oh, fuck <laughs> that. No, I don't want to support that kind of institution. Uh, de Beppo, and they both close. Everyone I know closed. So I don't know if you, you guys never went there. So you never heard of Buca de Beppo. No, never even heard of it. It's, like the, no. it's like the TJ Maxx to Olive Garden's Ross. Um, so ah. <laughs> and uh, you can only order enormous portions you can't possibly finish there uh, and then I'm glad you brought up Temple of Doom even though I did um, just because <laughs> I had it listed here I think if you were uh, J.R. Diana in my age you watch Indiana Jones you see a Gulf and Western company as that Paramount logo fades into Raiders Viacom wins its bid to buy Paramount and this is all getting very confusing to me because I'm hearing these words a lot We've heard these words for a long time. Uh, Paramount's rumored to be selling to uh, uh, Warner Brothers behind the scenes. Jon Stewart just came back to The Daily Show. So Viacom's being talked about again, even though I don't think it exists. And I wanted to say, what the fuck (laughs) is Viacom? I always thought they were some teleconglomerate who purchased CBS Paramount and put them under that Paramount Plus umbrella, as you may have seen in that wonderful Super Bowl commercial. Uh, as they've, yeah. they've, they rattled off sports and 30 year old IPs, but like, I think yeah. it's something CB, CBS named its division Viacom gave it a weird, not nice name. And p- people of the internet will know Viacom because they were the first big challenger to YouTube back in the day. They almost stopped, put a stop to sharing video on the internet by, with the prolonged lawsuit, uh, with YouTube, which I love in our next segment. We keep talking about it. YouTube is a glimmer in some tech people's eye at this point, but it's it's coming. It is on the way. But yeah, I looked. I even looked it up right before the show. What the fuck is Viacom, and what did they do beyond a tamper with all these properties that I like? And I don't have a good answer to it. <laughs> yeah, basically, it's CBS. Yeah, it's let's CBS. Just, let's just say they started as as eh, basically CBS. It's basically and CBS, then, and they kept changing. They've changed the yeah. name back and forth, and I think where we are now, people have to keep correcting themselves. Like it's just the Paramount Company now. It's not CBS. We took the cooler of our brands. That's what Viacom is called, Paramount. Um, yeah, very. But hard. they also MTV Networks and Showtime and uh, SpongeBob, yeah, SpongeBob to sports to CBS All Access. It's all been B&B, one company. I think they own now. They they got we'll a, a movie theater chain. Yeah. We'll see if they're still around in 10 years. I really think we're in for a shrinkage. I mean, All these streaming the, services cannot last. Most of them are losing money. Lose, they're losing billions and billions of dollars in addition to losing fewer billions over cable. But the people are fleeing traditional entertainment. And so mm-hmm. I, I I would say invest in streaming, but I don't know how it fares out. And the rumor is behind the scenes there and talk with Warner Discovery yeah. to... To watch the Super Bowl, Mm -hmm. my wife and I signed up for the YouTube TV uh, free preview. We watched the Super Bowl, and then we instantly canceled YouTube TV. Mm -hmm. Because guess (laughs) how expensive YouTube TV is? It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's like $70. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Sling is the better bet, but that's still 30 to 40 But I I love that they give you the option to not pay for sports, because sports are what... In sports and Fox News are the most expensive thing on your cable dial, and that's what you're paying a majority for, whether you use it or not. And but yeah, we were talking right before we went on air about John Stewart's return to the Daily Show, and Comedy Central has been largely an abandoned channel that Viacom 
Paramount now owns. Anyway, that's why I had Viacom on the brain. Who who are these people? Now we know no one. It was just <laughs> no one. But we've heard their name for 30 years uh, starting this week because they were purchasing uh, Paramount, an entire movie studio. Um, all right. With that out of the yeah. way, we can get into the movies of 1994, February 16th to 22nd. I was going to say, if you do want some fun, look up uh, a picture of Sumner Redstone, who is the chair of uh, Viacom. This is an interesting looking fella. It's kind of like if you you made Donald Trump not orange, but then you like vacuum sealed him. <laughs> it's a great name. It is a cool it's name. It's a really cool that. name. He should be a Street Fighter character. Um, <laughs> and that, so movies 1994. Uh, first up, we got Torment, a.k.a. Hell. There's, there's another great name uh, with yep. a movie I haven't seen. Uh, it's a French movie, French. and it's uh, directed by Claude Chabrol, and it was written by Henri-Georges Clouseau. So these are big, fancy names from, like, 60s avant-garde or new wave French cinema. And it's about, uh, you know, a couple who descends into jealousy and madness. <laughs> and uh, the French. And the French. Uh, weirdly, the movie that had me and my friend's attention was the next one this week. And you're such big sports fans, too. I, I was when I was younger because I was faking. I was like a little gay kid faking that I like sports to fit in, but I did not. Uh, <laughs> but but I will say, well, we'll get to it. Penny Hardaway, J.T. Walsh, Ed O'Neill, Alfre Woodard, Shaquille O'Neal, Mary McDonald, Nick Nolte. We got uh, blue chips, ladies and gentlemen, blue chips. I will not have the first losing season in 40 years at this university. The only thing that can save Pete Bell's job is a miracle. Behold, the miracle. Never been coached. It's totally wrong. Neon, um, please try not to step on the children. Okay, all right. Nick Nolte and Shaquille O'Neal. Blue Chips, rated PG-13. Blue Chips. Uh, now, this is so what I, Nick Nolte is supposed to be doing. He's not supposed to be singing to children. He's supposed to be supposed being to be Bobby Knight. What the hell are you doing out there? Yes. So I think Chris and I were similar as kids. We didn't like watching sports unless there was a narrative in a movie. Then yeah, it was yeah, okay. Sure. And, and, because well, there's... In addition, I think I've talked about this before, uh, I kind of like came awake and Michael Jordan was already famous, but Shaquille O'Neal fascinated me as a kid as much as he fascinates me right now. He's just been this very PG sports superhero the entire time. It's never stopped. He has no scandals and he was instantly popular and kind of like forced into the Nickelodeon era. My friends loved him. I loved him. I think I started drinking Pepsi because of him. Because we were in Shaquille, Nick Nolte and Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal is in this movie for like four scenes, but th they know how big he is. And they're advertising this to children saying like Shaq's in this movie. It's Shaq's first movie. And it is. He's not playing. It's a basketball movie where a ton of basketball people play people. They are not <laughs> Penny Hardaway. Uh, it, it's if you like basketball, it's pretty insane. I tried to watch it now. Bored out of my fucking mind. Bounced immediately. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, I never liked this movie, but we were caught up in Shaq fever back in the day that we went to go see this Nick Nolte movie. Which I think was at some point being simultaneously made with I'll Do Anything. So well, Probably. That's probably when they were doing reshoots. He was working on this, yeah. For sure. So a This is really Nick Nolte's film, though. This is oh, the yeah. story yeah. of a coach. It's a coach's story. It's not an athlete's story. It's all about coach. Basketball is his life. He's uh, 
has a horrible marriage because of basketball, divorced, doesn't really have anything except basketball. And the one thing in his life that he thinks is pure, uh, he allows himself to be corrupted and use bribery to get the best team possible. Now, I thought the villain makes some really solid points mm -hmm. about the nature of amateur athletes uh, in this film. And that's even doubled down when you listen to Cartman's argument right after the villain's argument. These athletes generate millions of dollars for the university. What do they get? Nothing. What do you get? You get a multi-year contract. You get a six-figure shoe deal so your team can be a walking billboard. And that is all legal. And then you get another six figures for that lousy TV show. Get out of my face. <laughs> And he goes on to say, everyone is profiting from yep. this except the, the student players. athletes. And South Park tackled that in one of my favorite episodes. Student athletes. Oh, that is brilliant, sir. Now, when we sell their likeness for video games, how do we get around paying for our slaves? Student athletes, then. Look, there are good reasons why our student athletes cannot be paid, young man. I ain't arguing. If they got paid, then how'd we make all our money, right? We do not own slaves, and we have no desire to own slaves. But of course you own slaves because... Oh, right. <coughs> and I, 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 I don't follow sports now, but I follow video games. And the video game, the NCAA video game, I believe, led to a controversy where, like, I think there was, like, a student athlete, like, 30 years after the fact, like, my face is in this game. Mm -hmm. Nobody talked to me, let alone paid me. And I think that snowballed a bunch of lawsuits that now the NCAA does have to reimburse players for these kind of appearances. I don't, I understand why you don't want to give students all that money because I, I go, I live near and went to a college where the athletes are already spoiled and giant. Giving a 20 year old <laughs> that much power has never proven to be a good thing. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's that's what this whole movie is about. We didn't explain that. Yeah, it's about corruption in NCAA basketball. Yes. In that they are, you know, recruiting high school players. They are, you know, to uh, which, yeah, you obviously you scout players, but then bribing them to sign with one place or another, giving them a car, yeah. a house, or just a big bag of cash and just being like, pretend this didn't happen. Also, we're going to give you some bullshit classes. Also, we're going to help prop up your grades. Yeah. It's like you're you're just playing for a professional team in everything but name. Yeah, and money. And money. And money. And and that's, I think something has been settled upon. I've only looked at it a little bit, but it is weird. Like athletes will be compensated. Can take maybe take some endorsement deals. Maybe get the money after they graduate or something like that. Well, Again, I have I am totally unclear. But it's it's op people have realized. Yeah, this is. Supremely unfair. This organization makes about as much money as the NFL and doesn't pass anything along to this. It's athletes in perpetuity. How is that fair? Yeah, I mean, if you're good enough, you would uh, you would definitely go straight to the NBA. You know, and then people were like, "Oh my god, I can't believe they're drafting 18 year olds." It's like, well, yeah. What if you get injured while you're playing in exactly. the NCAA, not making that money? Exactly. Now you're done. That's that's the story of most college athletes. They make the team something. Oops! Snap! <laughs> and then and then you're everything is over, and you're a household name who can't make any money off of your profession. So now you're Dean Kane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now now you got to go work for Vince McMahon. Oh wait, never yep. mind. Again, another yep. dated concept. So 
that's the only thing I remember about the movie, and I, I don't know how dated it, it is compared to what's allowed nowadays. But then, but back then, yeah, I remember I was in a college, and a guy, basketball team's pretty good this year. You're going to take a semester off so we can have you this semester. But here's where we're going to put you up. You will get a what a per diem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, things like that, things that I, I, you know, I'm totally unfamiliar with, but we don't want to yeah. lose you. We just, you're young and you're tall and we need you, but blue chips. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's my problem with blue chips is that it's basically pointing out all these problems and then just kind of shrugging at them. Like, yep. isn't that bad? Yep. And it's like, yeah. Uh, what are you going to do about it? Shrug. <laughs> Play into it. <laughs> We're going to, yeah, the, the house is terrible, but I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to roll the dice anyway. It's a half and half film. Half is talking about what a noble effort uh, college basketball is, and the other half is saying how corrupt it is. You mm. know. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're not pick a side. We're gonna fix it, or or just make it as corrupt nope. as possible. I don't know. Ooh, drugs now, for everybody. Now the next movie I had not <laughs> seen. In t- I have thoughts. In all the I thoughts. Have, I have so many. I am so happy to talk about this because I watched this last night with my husband, who had never seen it. He is firmly Gen X like me, and his takes were adorable. I am Gen X cuspy, but like yeah. to say I'm a millennial, even though I do not act like one. Uh, I have not watched this in a long time. It's more known for its soundtrack. I was bowled the fuck over by this movie. Uh, loved it. Janine Garofalo, Steve Zahn, Ben Stiller, Ethan Hawke, and Winona Ryder in Reality Bites. Terrible name. Ugh. I'm uh, making this documentary about my friends. Winona Ryder, Ethan Hawke, Ben Stiller, in a comedy about life. No, I'll, I'll call you back. Do you have a lawyer? I don't have a dentist. Love. If we can get two women on the Supreme Court, we can get at least one on you, Sam. Shut up. And the friendships in between. Oh, would you two just do it and get it over with? I'm starving. Whoa. Reality Bites. Rated PG-13. Woo. Reality Bites. Uh... I know what you guys are going to say because I asked. I asked my friends, and there is a bleeding upper class whiteness <laughs> running through this film. <laughs> they are in Houston, Texas, and I saw no Latinos, and I saw Keith David for thirty seconds. Yeah, I know. You hear? That was it. Can't wait to see more Keith David. Uh, it's not going to work out. <laughs> You're yeah, quite- no people of color <laughs> exist in this film, so let's start with that. But, but no. But that is a good place to put it because none of the film really makes sense because it is a lot of very privileged people but uh but, well, no, here's, here's the thing. horrible garbage people who are privileged <laughs> you can be privileged and still be sympathetic my problem with this movie is i genuinely do not think it understands the characters it's playing okay let's start with the main protagonist renona writer's character she is a horrible documentarian Yes. She <laughs> is the valedictorian, and we're told again and again how great and super she is and how smart she is. Everything we see from her, she makes dumb decision after dumb decision in this film, okay? At no point does she ever make any decision that a smart person would make, okay? She well, has a star... Yes. Well... Yes. No, no. What? This is this is a thousand percent true. This is a thousand percent true. Okay, first of all... No, no, I... Uh... I, keep, keep I going, hate picking going. on f- female film students in movies because I feel like I do it more than <laughs> the, like the girl on the Blair Witch Project. She drives me insane. Your your footage will never cut together. But 
<laughs> this is the same thing where it's like she's just sitting around filming her friends with a camcorder thinking that they're interesting. Fascinating. Right. But they're just her friend. Now, she doesn't branch out and to talk to other people, you know, of the generation because like her friends do have things in common that are generationally interesting. It was, you know, the first generation that had a lot of divorce around. How does that affect kids? Why are we so interested in nostalgia? Why are we so obsessed with not selling out? And not just not selling out, but we also can't look like we sold out, even though we did not sell out. I, I mean, and that... that's where the BMW comes in. That's I find I, I've forgotten entirely about that. That her graduation present is like her stepmom's used BMW, and she's like, I can't because people will think I that, sold out. That well, because she mentioned it in her valedictorian speech, like she slammed BMW and then has to drive around in one. And I also I did not remember she's. What I one of the only things I remembered from this movie was being given a gas card for someone who had to like find money for college and like you give me a gas card for a year? Holy shit. Uh hell I yeah. know. <laughs> I know that made me so pissed off. I remember fresh out of college, gas was such a precious resource. Yeah. I had to be like making sure I didn't drive too far. Every time I'm filling up the tank, I'm rolling my eyes. If I would have gotten a gas card, here you go. Free gas for a year. Oh my god, dad, that's such an awesome present. You're awesome. I'm grateful. This entitled. (laughs) I'm not saying there's 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 not a vein of that going through it, but I would I would like to stand up for this film for. Okay. When people call it like very well representative of Gen X and like outside of your individual qualms with the characters, I thought it was beautiful. I thought I thought everyone is I thought everyone has genuinely funny moments. The dialogue between everybody is fantastic. And, uh, you know, there is some there is some good dialogue here. There is a lot of realistic dialogue and there's realistic things that people have to deal with, you know, right when you're like out of college, quarter life crisis type stuff. E- existential qualms that only 20 right. year olds have. And remember, we're looking with this right. at 40 year old eyes. And what I will say, well, no, no, I, I, this pissed me off. I watched it when I was in college and I still thought. Uh, the characters were assholes back then, and they're even bigger assholes in my forties. Because I, okay, I have been hating this movie for thirty years. I saw this in theaters, and I was sixteen years old, and all of my friends thought it was great. And I was like, "What did I just watch?" I now part of that is I felt betrayed by Ben Stiller because I was one of the four people who watched the Ben Stiller show, and yes. this is his directorial debut. Where's Odenkirk? Make with the Odenkirk. Yeah, <laughs> we, we get Andy Dick, Janine Garofalo, but no Odenkirk. Right. So, and also, like, it's supposed to be talking to my generation. These people are only a couple of years older than me. You know, I'm about to get out of high school. They're about they're getting out of college. What am I looking forward to? And I was like, oh, so what I'm looking forward to is banal conversations where we quote TV ads at each other. Yes. And then we create our own problems. And we, I feel like we need to cover every character and then get to Ethan Hawke because, oh my God. I have so much to say. I have six pages of notes. Go for it. Go. I, I, have, I, I, have, I have more positive than negative things to say, but I will. These people are grading, but you know who else was 30 years ago? Me. Me. And probably you. And, yes. And, oh, a thousand percent. That's part of what drives me insane is that it is it is depicting people that like absolutely like I had that roommate. Yes. But but it seems to be on their side. No. There is no commentary yeah, no, about yeah, no, their okay. mistakes. Okay. Winona Ryder's character. She gets this gas card. We've already said how awesome it is. She quits her job in the most asshole way possible. She's uh, an assistant. Oh, it's funny when Wayne Campbell does it. Well, no, no, it's not. (laughs) I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. She's starting out in her career. 
she's doing this light, fluffy talk show in the morning. She submits her horrible documentary to it, and it's like, that's not what we do here. And she gets so pissed that she uh, embarrasses her boss on uh, local television. She gets fired, and then she feels too entitled to take a job. So she keeps applying to jobs she doesn't have any qualifications for. She applies to the biggest newspaper in uh, Texas with apparently no, no newspaper <laughs> experience. And then she's like, surprised she didn't get the job. And yeah. then what she does is she steals from her father. She yes. takes that gas card after Bayou racking up a $400 phone bill to the Psychic Friends Network, That's which again... Piece. More proof that she's just the smartest, smarty, smart person, and we should all be amazed <laughs> at her intelligence. $400 bill to the Secret Friend Networks takes that gas card. Her father genu genuinely gave her a great gift. She then buys other people gas, which I'm just picturing myself at a gas station. Someone comes up to me and goes like, I got a gas card. If you give me cash, I'll give you gas. I mean... The, uh, that's the, creepy there's and i did i did want to ask you because that that will make no sense to anybody in my hometown we had two non-self pump stations and every time we'd wow. accidentally pull into one and someone would come up and handle our gas we'd be like oh fuck it's gonna be like twice as much now non-self pump gas is non-existent it's it's the fucking uh Ex roller girl bringing you a hamburger uh, except in new jersey <laughs> in new jersey I've, and oregon in oregon jersey and oregon i think they still have it at least as an option oh, yes. I, oh I hate it oh my god was it it cost so much no, as a little kid. It, sorry it, was, it was required because of safety reasons mm -hmm. question mark i've never understood yeah. why, why they do that but it is yeah, it's, it's such a novelty it's, when you're visiting new jersey well, who or wants oregon? to touch gas like every time you every, like half the times i touch gas it gets in my pants and hands uh yeah. i work in an office say like i don't who wants that all right, so this but is anyways, the best Let me just finish. All right. oh, sorry. Our okay. character gets money from other people, buys their gas with the card her father gave her, and then she doesn't get any comeuppance from that. It's presented as this wacky little, oh, silly. They actually thing frame she her to, at the to, end of the It's like the hottest she's ever looked, <laughs> the way they frame her while doing that montage. All right. Yeah. So, so yeah, this is about, you know, young people and what, what the young people are dealing with today. And I was not surprised to see that Janine Garofalo and Steve Zahn's characters had plots at some point that were taken away, mm. which sucks because they're the far more interesting. Characters. Yeah. Steve Zahn reveals like halfway through the movie, he's a closeted gay dude and afraid to talk to his parents. And right. And, yeah. And, and Janine Garofalo has a lot of one night stands. Um, but she also, we learned she kind of pushes the guys away before they can reject her. And now she has to, Go get her first test for HIV, and she's freaking out. Yep. Okay, that and, is so much more. Interesting and those those are the movie. touches in the movie that I really, really enjoy. And I really yeah. ask people to go back to like remember not all the real world, but the first two seasons of the real world, because yeah. in that context, that makes a lot more sense. And in being twenty years, like having existential conversations, considering a desk job to be a fate worse than death, these are conversations I had in my 20s just a few yeah. years later oh, no, this, there, this are, there's a there's a fine line between being authentically lost in your 20s and just meandering through life 
and expecting the world to cater to your whim. Yes. And everyone in this film expects yeah. the world to bow down before their greatness, but, except yeah, for Janine Garofalo. Ethan Hogg's character literally says, what, I have to go get a desk job for 20 years and then they give me a, a gold watch? And it's like... Bitch, you wish you could have a job for twenty years. Now, now we all, now we all do. But I'm, but I, I okay. remember being there and feeling very similar to all these people. And what mm-hmm. I do want to praise is how uh, not only how authentically I think the generation is sort of portrayed, warts and all. Her documentary, like I, I love how authentically it looks, and then they show you the MTV version when she later on about how inauthentic it made it look, and like, yeah, I get that, but also. I'm sure your reaction was you got offered a pilot deal out of with a network out of college. And now you're like, my vision is compromised. Yeah. My, my reaction is your footage was bad. They made it look better. Well, but, but they improved that documentary. But you, again, remember that's MTV was dying for that level of authenticity around this same time when the well, real world came out. I, authenticity has pretty right. big Those first two seasons of the real world are people watching TV and talking yeah. about shit. It gets crazy yeah. once they start taking away their phones, giving them yes. booze and, and televisions. But it really was like a bunch of people in a, in a slow panic about getting old. That's what the first two yeah. seasons of real world were. No, and, that, and that's why this is interesting how timely it is because it's like that seems to be what she is trying to pitch is basically the first season of the real yes. world, which happened like 18 months ago yes and this movie so, was written so like four very, years ago yeah so it is it is very yeah. timely but of course it's also so fucking nasal gaze nasal yes nasal gazy about me and my friends are so interesting but yeah. again i ask I think, you to remember everything you're talking you cannot want to be a filmmaker and be in a band in your 20s without that delusion that mm. That, yeah. that is, you can't you I, have to have that and only young people have that delusion okay and, let me okay. talk about think- Winona Ryder's continuing delusions though okay so she she torpedoes a job which she could have parlayed into another job it turns out the producer mm-hmm. on the show liked her it was the star John Mahoney didn't like her so she could have gotten a job via him at a different show that would be a better fit for her number one she torpedoes that number two her best friend and roommate says you can come work at the gap with me I'm the manager now and she says, "Ew, no." My and my only note here is, how did they get away with all this gaps? It, that's a very real store at at the height of its power. How did, yeah. Why didn't you change yeah. the name? And how did you not get sued? She, <laughs> yeah, she thinks she's too good to work a a part time job at the Gap where your best friend is the manager. And also, she says you get five bucks an hour, which is more than minimum wage at the time. I looked it yeah. up. Yeah, I made four twenty five my first job. Me too. Mm-hmm. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Uh, a, a year after right. this movie came out, so yeah, so, it was like three thirty-five in Texas in nineteen ninety-four. Wow, wow, yeah. So, I think uh, the nostalgia chick slash Lindsay Ellis gives mm. a pitch perfect summary on my feelings towards this movie. Is that I respect that you made a movie about how being young twenty-something in nineteen ninety-four is hard. I have a hard time sympathizing with you, however, because everything is black now! <laughs> Shut the f- up, 1994. Oh, what? You're spoiled for choice by a decent economy? We're blaming a disaffected generation surrounded by adults that just don't get it on Winona Ryder's inability to find a job. Not the fact that, I don't know, she's a shitty employee who got her <laughs> ass fired. Is life hard, 1994? Are you just. This is all. This is. I'm not yeah. disputing anything you guys are saying, or what, what, definitely not what Lindsay is saying. I don't want to. I don't want to rattle that beehive. 
but okay. I do I do think it's an it's an authentic look at the shittiest and most self absorbed I was around mm. the same time. That w- so I think it's a beautiful depiction of the time. It is a but wonderful does the time movie capsule. know that these are shitty self absorbed people, or does no. this movie? Yeah, are you sure? No, because like it really no. it, yes. it, it ends it it ends at a halt of everybody kind of realize like a compromise. No, it ends with Winona going with the douchebag, like the biggest douchebag in the world. There is no reason. Uh, Ben Stiller plays probably the most sympathetic yuppie I have ever seen (laughs) in any film ever. He does nothing wrong. Absolutely nothing wrong. And she leaves him because... But that happened. You've never left anybody who is perfectly fine and right and Young people no. do that. Young people have infinite options and no, do that all the time. She has one other option, and it is Ethan Hawke. Winona Ryder who, oh doesn't have God. one other option. All, all of my friends, they thought, oh, he's so dreamy. He's just the perfect man. And and I did not like him at the time. I thought he was a whiny little jerk off. Watching it now, now, watching it now, I'm like, is he actually like a malignant narcissist maybe because he's a young he, person <laughs> he, no he he is jealous and negging her the whole time he says he is not interested in her and then whenever she is at her most vulnerable yes. and low because something bad happened all of a sudden he's there to swoop in and the second her self-esteem is back up he is being a dick to her again yeah it just i, I did no i dated this man i mean a lot of people did <laughs> It's not. Yeah. It's not that I, I. I think I have no qualities that Ethan Hawke. I have a, qualities of every character in this film, and I have their flaws too. But I just remember being in a house where everybody is smoking inside. I think that's the one thing. Well, even people I know who smoke yeah. don't do that anymore ever. Because uh, it's at fucking the TV gross. Station. They smoke in the hospital. I've, like, I've, I've always I've, labeled that. That's because most of my generation had PCs and video game consoles, and you know what smoke does to those. If you don't care about your uh, lungs, you will care about your PS5. And <laughs> no, I I cannot express how much. But do you? Do you I, I was getting like seriously like damn near flashbacks of oh my god. Yes, so, that, this so guy was I. Is terrible. But I was getting flashbacks of. Being into a girl who's into a guy like that, and I'm like mm-hmm. and waiting around for it to fail, but it never does. I Either have been a dick the whole time, making fun of what she's wearing and saying. She's, she's I've never been again. Asshole. Sorry, that is a Gen X quality. Negging yeah. was invented by your generation, and yeah, this is true. <laughs> and, this and, is true. We negged everything. That, yes, Gen X. It, to this day, my Gen X friends annoy the piss out of me because they will deny liking anything. Anything. They have never been into anything in their life. They are. F- Sorry, this is where I'll bitch about Gen X because I don't have any okay. other complaints other than like, hey, remember when you were at. Remember when you liked uh, Evil Dead? Like, I liked Evil Dead. You had seven posters. Oh, I don't remember. I don't remember ever liking it. Like, I fucking hate you so much. This, oh, hap- this happens that. all the time with my Gen X friends. All the time. Remember we were dancing at Sir Mix-a-Lot? Like, I don't dance and I wouldn't have been at Sir Mix-a-Lot show. I had to get three people to prove she was there because that's how my Gen X friends are. They deny being I- overly into or against anything. And yep. that is how I see I a ton of these people in this movie because you're they're so afraid of moving forward that they don't want to make any decision at all. It is on we distill like I think there's a beautiful authenticity in this movie. Whether or not you hate these characters, I don't know that that was the point. Uh, the only thing, the only I, thing, I-, I think Ethan Hawke and Winona Ryder getting together at the end is a hundred percent presented as a happy ending. Yes. Well, I, I yeah, did. I had it is, a- and you know, and I know what's going to happen next. And I, in some ways, I support it now because they're both 
kind of shallow people, but they're going to break up. They're going to get back together. They're going to break yep. up, get back together. Their friends are going to get so annoyed and they're not going to know what the status is right now. And, oh God, they're fighting again. I thought everything was okay. And then they're going to waste like five years of their lives on this. And then they'll finally move on. I have dozens of friends I want to like see. this. Dozens. And they the only thing that stopped them from breaking up were children. <laughs> ah. <laughs> that can always happen. I would love to see a Reality Bites 2 set in the present yeah. day where they got pregnant six months into that relationship and they've had to deal with each other for the last 30 years. Cause I guarantee you that would gnaw at both of them. <laughs> but, but that's the thing. Like you're thinking like these people are going to remain the same the entire time. I couldn't stop thinking about the before series. Cause the character is a little less thoughtful version of Ethan Hawke's character in that he is still thinking on the same wavelength, just a little, you know, a little more narcissistic and, that's what I love about those movies. But there's no growth in the film. I mean, if you wanted to... Look, it doesn't Scott take place over a long enough is, period. I, and it, no, there is. Too. But Scott Pilgrim is one of my favorite movies because Scott Pilgrim is a garbage human being who by the end of the film is not perfect. He's slightly better. Mm. No one in this film becomes slightly better. I, 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 I remember when I watched this movie now, I blinked and the ending was happening. My dad died. I'm better now. There needed to be like another act in there for everybody to realize like we are, we are the generation who said we'd never compromise and we're learning what compromise means and, and yes. why it's necessary. Yes. Thank and, yes, exactly. That's what I am looking for. It's some, some sort of actual and it's, realization. It's, if they grew, they would understand where they were at the beginning of the movie. But they're basically at the same place as they were at the beginning of the movie. And my favorite, my favorite thing about grow. the whole fucking movie is Ben Stiller's character just disappears, gets nothing. And if you never stayed around for the end credits, <laughs> it's it's one of the I think there's something he, he it's they show a TV show on MTV clearly based on Winona Ryder and Ethan Hawke's characters. That is exactly what they didn't want to do. Ben Stiller compromises the most and gets total success out of it. It's a great it's a, it's a great send off for that character who seemingly got nothing. What a fucking fantastic directorial debut from Ben Stiller. I'm not kidding. I think this movie is much better than the, this surface look at how irritating these characters are knowing what we know with 30 years of experience. This is a good depiction of young people from 30 years ago. That's where I'm coming from. I, and I, I agreeing with you in that it would be nice if there's another couple minutes to yeah. And land the plane of, yeah. of the realization of how they have changed over the course of the movie, because the movie slams shut. It, it slams shut with an ending that, I think it earned, but it didn't show us how it got there. There's no conversation yeah. about how either of them arrived at this point. Actually, Roger Ebert's quote for this is one I've stolen a whole bunch of times. Where he says, the end of the movie will be very surprising to anyone who's never seen a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, just uh, the way that Ethan Hawke's character thinks he is smarter than everyone else all the time and constantly shows us that that is not true. Yeah. But uh, so I, I had I had those flaws too as as a young person. I know, like I said, I dated this guy. Mm -hmm. I, this guy. I don't know. I, I was bowled the fuck over that I texted several people and like, I know people think this movie sucks now, but I thought this was really fucking good and, and a, a great time capsule because I'm not necessarily Gen X, but that. I remember going to, like, blah, blah, blah. I was kicked out of a regular high school and into an alternative high school where everybody smoked and played guitar. Nobody would admit to liking any music that was popular, ever. Yes. Ever. Oh, yeah. So how yeah. we ended up speaking to one another 
was through television show nostalgia or current stuff because you, there was no fucking blind black version of <laughs> of an of, of a television show there was no there's there's not obscure television shows you get what you get you have you have like three shows you all can like and that's it and the language they speak pop culture the pop culture laden language that they speak is authentic and it's Gen X shaped me more than I was a part of it, but these this is how we still talk. The way these people talk in this movie, the way people mm-hmm. will talk in Clerks uh, a year from now, it's start it's th- that dialogue, that portrayal of this generation starts here, uh, and and reality bites and, and singles to to an extent for sure. Yeah, I I mean this singles is the movie we have to compare this to, and mm-hmm. I think singles is like actually a good movie and does actually think over what its characters are doing and saying and have them develop. I, I think this speaks more authentically to Gen X warts and all than, than singles. Right. Well, I mean, I, I feel like singles is a little more universal for mm. being, yeah, that like mid twenties sort of thing. And this is much more Gen X specific. Now the real test case was, yeah, my husband, Michael had never seen this before, mm-hmm. even though he's born in 1978 and uh, boy, he, he, he really hated it. <laughs> He like it. the next day he's still sort of fuming over what a dick bag Ethan Hawke's character is. I can see it, but I think the important thing here is, is to be our age and do you hate yourself in your twenties? My answer is of course. No. Yes. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. And a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, a lot of regrets, a lot of mistakes were made. And a lot of uh, good things. I did a lot of good things, but I cringe at some of the stuff I did that you see in this movie because that's what we're capable of. And that yeah. and it's not that twenty year olds now are anything like that. But 20-year-olds in the 1993? Fuck yes, they were. Uh, we were that way th- five years later. I was there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if I have to put one single pin, one, one definitive statement about Reality Bites, it is that I will never believe that a girl who was born in 1971 has not heard Frampton Comes Alive. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a lie. That's that what, is a lie. I think I've, I've gave my summation on. I th- I was bowled over by how much I liked it, and I think part of that was because I felt it to be a very authentic time capsule. Not necessarily as fun as uh, like we said about Dates and Confuse, but I think if you really want to see an honest, authentic depiction of the very early '90s and Gen X, this is. You, I don't know if you can do better than Reality Bites for sure. Uh, mm, uh, yeah, and maybe you'll just end up. Hating it. Like <laughs> it's I, possible. I, mean, they are dead. I don't know. It's possible. But you really, you guys didn't like the movie. I, I guess if you don't like the characters, you, you can't like the movie. There's also I, not really any plot. No, but, not really. Which I can live with because, like you said, these are movies that don't really exactly. have any plot, that they, they run on vibes. I, it's no. not a recommend for me. No, no I don't think no. it's a good narrative. And I don't think the movie actually understands its characters. I, 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 I'm giving it a high recommend, and I, just just because I think Ooh. it's a, a understanding of the characters is un, is un, unveiled when there's rarely any conflict. I think when it comes to conflict, they all have horrible approaches to conflict. But mm. again, we all did too. I mean, everybody but Jr. I guess yeah. <laughs> he was too busy yeah. in Cuba scaling mountains and dating strippers. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, but yes, yeah, so someone uh, uh, Reality Bites. I loved it. I loved it way more than I thought I was going to. Yeah, I don't know what it was about the movie. I was ready to be really harsh on it as well. I just thought, hey, it's good to have dissenting opinion. The show's boring <laughs> if we all agree on everything. You know, I thought it, I thought it had genuinely laugh out loud funny dialogue for thirty years on, and like 
that's pretty impressive. There's Woody Allen movies that claim to be the funniest of all time that I feel nothing for characters talking similarly. And um, yeah. And and just that like, Oh, I didn't mention Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller wasn't anybody yet because he, Ben Stiller was a guy whose show got canceled that like comedy dorks knew about. And this was his like, all right, I couldn't make that work. Maybe I can be a mainstream movie director. Crazy. And then like his, everybody's career in this movie takes a different turn afterwards. Anyway. So I didn't know that there's a stinger. So I should go watch the end of the stinger on uh, reality. It's just, Bites it's just ben that Ben Stiller, they show a MTV show, very fictionalized, clearly based on the two main characters created by Ben Stiller. And then the yeah. credit okay. created by Ben Stiller's character. You don't see him. Yeah. It's just, you see that he gets All something. Right. So it's, it's like a Melrose place, but you know, with grungy people. My head canon is he is just going to be so mean to both of those characters. Those characters are just mm-hmm. going to be yeah. Why wouldn't you be? Hell. Yeah, I got to pitch yeah. the two biggest pieces of shit I ever met in a show together. <laughs> <laughs> People who made my life fucking terrible, and I love Ethan Hawke and Ben Stiller's dialogue with one another because it's it's like me talking. It's like me talking to me twenty years later. And yeah, well, that, that was yeah. the thing that I I loved. That yeah, I remember watching it. As, as a youngster and all, everyone was like, hey, such a yuppie sellout. And it's like, he's the most reasonable, realistic person. And I don't just mean realistic, like in a sellout sense. Like, he's the only one who's like, excuse me, did I do anything to you? Why are you such a dick to me? Yeah. Yeah. Like, he, he actually confronts people being assholes to him. And it's just like, could you calm down? Why, why are you upset? I got a job that I like that I'm good at and you hate me for it. Crazy. Yeah, I- and I got you're a, car- a mooch. You <laughs> yeah. you mooch off everyone. I got a car full of CDs. I got a car phone. I go into a phone booth to use my cell phone, which gets like inner. It has like reception problems, and he picks up someone else's call. Oh, these things take me back. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna read. Right. Segue into about, no another directorial debut. Another. <laughs> yes, another another directorial debut again. Like, like Ben Stiller had had. He had been fired from SNL. His show had been canceled. He had been fired from numerous jobs. This is what got Ben Stiller into our lives, this movie. Yeah. Um, and, and and as well as some of the people in the movie. Janine Garofalo, and who would have... She got fired from this role. And mm-hmm. it, Winona Ryder had to pull strings to get her back in. And anyway, so moving on to the next film. A truly wonderful bad movie experience. I, as a connoisseur... I feel like this is a, a kind of a, I, a Cabernet Sauvignon. has a little smoky, little fruity flavors to it. And also burning petroleum. I liked it a little more on rewatching it a few years ago. I My dad didn't... I, he's not an action movie guy. But I think he had read, hey, there's an environmental message in this. I'm going to rent this and allow you to watch it. Oh, no. <laughs> and so this oh, is my no. introduction to this character in his directorial, this this actor in his directorial debut. Arlie Ermey, John C. McGinley, Joan Chen, Mike O'Kane, and Steven Seagal. It's number one at the box office, but not by much, on Deadly Ground. In this land of frozen beauty, where a proud people make their home, Aegis Oil is making a killing. How much money is enough? Now, these people have a warrior. Ah! And this corporation has a big problem. Natives eight, oil workers zero. Ah! 
Steven Seagal, Michael Caine on Deadly Ground. On Deadly Ground. Ecotage, oh, as I think what got I, my dad interested. I love this. This is so, like, I, in, like The Room or Glenn or Glenda. <laughs> I feel like I am seeing into Steven Seagal's personal view of himself. And he is showing me something he didn't mean to show. <laughs> I mean, and and he's a legendary piece of shit. Behind the Bastards did like an entire series about what a piece of shit he is. And it's wonderful. But he really thinks he is an important person with an important message. And he is going to give it to us in this movie. And he's been tired where, of watching other directors yeah. compromise his vision. And he must where be the one to bring, bring it to Joan forth. Chen plays an Inuit. <laughs> Joan Chen plays an Inuit. With a nice nude scene? Just saying. And also, like, is there... Because they're Native American people in this, are they going to think he's the best? Yes. Are they going to put him on a vision quest? Yes. Is he going to be, like, the promised one? Yes. (laughs) My my favorite part is how the movie talks about how other white people don't understand Native Americans. (laughs) And then Steven Seagal consistently and multiple times does not cast Native Americans to play Native (laughs) Americans. Yeah. Yeah. Chef kiss Seagal. Oh. So yeah, so so paycheck taken. Michael Caine, who seems to know what kind of movie he's in, God bless him, runs the evil oil company that's mining on Injun Land in uh, in Alaska, and that's that's bad. And then there's a fire, and Forrest Taft, the big firefighter, comes in, and he's like, "Oh, you're disrespecting the land. We're gonna stop this evil oil company, and also I'll rescue all the Native Americans because they couldn't help." They, they couldn't help themselves, I guess. Like, they need white guy to show up and do it. Then he goes on a vision quest. Then he becomes, you know, Sacred Eagle, whoever. And then to save the environment, they blow up a refinery <laughs> with C4. You know. And, and at the end of it, Steven Seagal gives a speech, which is five minutes long. Now, I've looked this up. The original length of the speech was 11 And and they started doing test screenings and the audience left in drove. And I I was tempted to try to play the entire five minute speech here, but we would lose 95% of our listeners. (laughs) He he starts out with speech telling us how there is a car that can run on water people and that this has been suppressed. Uh Now, that's Balderdash, of course, but everyone in Alaska cheers. Now, keep in mind. 40, 50% of the Alaskan economy is based on oil. So if you get a car running on water, Alaska's gone. <laughs> it's just gone. You just melt down some glaciers. <laughs> that water car going for it. Uh, I, I have a, this is, I think, the best bad movie night Steven Seagal movie to watch. When, yeah, when, when you yeah. want a bad Steven Seagal film, do this and combine it with a drinking game. Every time anyone in the film talks about how awesome Steven Seagal is, <laughs> take a drink, mm-hmm. and you will be plastered on the floor within the first half hour. Yeah, yep. when I was younger, I thought this was just bad, so I never paid attention to Steven Seagal again until, like, you know, it's popping up on HBO and free. I never went to a movie theater to see any of this shit, but I'd missed Under Siege and all of his earlier work, and as we went through 30, 2010, like, it was all kind of fun, and I really like this, and I can't tell if it's because it's bad, because it's cheesy, because it's dated, but I had a great time with it. I don't know. Couldn't get into this one again, but... 
Uh, you, it's a, you you didn't watch the fight with Mike Starr in the bar because that is I do love the Mike moment Starr. where he really tries to be deep where it's like Mike Starr is like and being mean he starts a bar fight and then like uh the, the, the Steven Seagal basically hits him like a couple times and then like gives a little speech about like what does it take for a man to change. <laughs> what does it take for a man to renounce violence? I don't know. The it's guy like, couldn't even renounce his New Jersey accent, and he's living in Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he really thinks he's making a fucking statement here. This is, I mean, the closest we've ever come to making another Billy Jack movie. Oh, man. And I do love uh, me some Billy but Jack. Yeah. I love that Steven Seagal keeps showing us who he is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's bright as daylight. And while promoting this film... Steven Seagal just had to talk about how big his genitalia is. Yes. It was required to promote the film. It was the 90s. And, and they were looking at these slippers, and, and it just goes to show you that myths can be common all over the world. Mm -hmm. and, and they were saying, do you see the size of those shoes? And the other one said back, can you imagine the size of his genitalia? <laughs> and, and, and... Ugh. And I kind of winked at him, and I was so embarrassed I couldn't really come back with anything to it. It is. It must be a truly far more advanced culture than we here. <laughs> oh, he obviously has, like, never seen Letterman, if you think that joke's no, going to go over well. No, it is such a painful interview, because I can yeah. see, like, the light in Letterman's eyes just die as the interview begins. There's one point, oh, yeah. I, I didn't play it, where Steven Seagal gives the most boring answer ever and then letterman has to like prod him with five more questions <laughs> to get an interesting answer and then he's like that's a good answer you should save that for your next talk show host <laughs> appearance man it, and he also sounds like somebody who should be running for president that oh uh, uh, talk about big my dick i impressed and, all of the inuits with my dick <laughs> i'm such a white savior that all of the inuits he probably used the e-word that we don't use anymore all the Eskimos came around and were like telling stories of, oh, look at that lodgepole. <laughs> Fuck you! Uh, Siskel and Ebert. Oh, God. What do they have? Oh, yeah. This is one of my favorite anecdotes they've ever told about reviewing a movie. Here's one thing that happened to me that was very funny. I'm sitting <laughs> watching the picture. A guy comes across the aisle to me. He says, this is halfway through the picture. He says, do you think I would enjoy... <laughs> Do you think I would enjoy seeing the getaway more than this? I said yes. And he leaves the he goes to the next. next okay. Summer. When we come back, the epic story of a great. <laughs> I, I wish my cro my paths had crossed either Siskel or Ebert. So in a bad movie where I could have been like, I can just leave, right? There's nothing <laughs> keeping me here. You have to watch this. Yeah, I'm wait. free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think one of them put it at, the, at their number one worst movie of the year. On I believe Green. that. Yeah, they yeah. should. It is so dumb. Yeah, my my so taste was barely formed, and so I hated dumb. it. And like, I'll never watch anything this dude does again. Oh, yep. And that you got lucky. That was smart. <laughs> I did, I guess, in hindsight. Yeah. Uh, and then I like, can move. That's so. That's your recommend over Reality Bites, the best bad movie of the year. One of the best bad movies of the year. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, well, easy, easy call. I think you spoke too soon because we have to get into TV for the next one because uh -huh. all those. All of those uh, retro screenings I'd go to, the marathons, up to five movies in a row at the Castro Theater that I'd occasionally go to with 
host of the show, Dave, Brett, uh, Michael, Diana, we'd ask the host, what's your favorite movie? And you'd always say, Ski School 2. <laughs> Ski School <laughs> 2. I'm not kidding. And and uh, he had so many, so much. For people who like schlocky shit, this is kind of the ultimate USA up all night, uh, HBO. Was this rated R? Did this have a lot of nudity? I can't even remember because I, I only saw the TV edits. But direct-to-video Ski School 2 comes out after the surprisingly popular straight-to-video Ski School 1. And I love that Always Sunny did a Ski School tribute with the with the actor <laughs> Dean Cameron this many years later. Like, oh, that did never leave my brain for some reason. <laughs> uh, I, I'm glad I'm not the only one. We all were tainted somehow by Ski School 2. <laughs> and it, <laughs> that is that is now thirty years old, and we're sticking it in the the sticking it in the TV section because you could not have seen it in the theater. Nope, direct to video. And another thing, I'll I'll probably talk way too much about this week on SNL. Um, biggest comedian in the world, you could say right now. Um, host Martin Lawrence uh, makes a ton of sexually explicit jokes about the female genitalia and feminine hygiene which results in NBC banning him for life. And I'm going to have to go into my personal anecdote here because we were, I, I, post Wayne's World, I became the biggest SNL fan in the world and me and my best friend would tape it every week for whatever reason. And I assure you, it was not a dater being invited to a party. I didn't <laughs> tape this, but my friend did. And the news was quick. Like NBC's like, Martin Lawrence is banned for life. He's never coming back. Uh, we will never show that monologue again. And in syndication and on video for years, your host, Martin Lawrence, he's like, how y'all doing? And then a thing would come up read by Jim Downey. This is the part of Martin Lawrence monologue where he almost cost us all our jobs. Uh, and, <laughs> and they didn't show it. And I was shocked to find that it is, it, uh, well, and it was banned. And my friend had this tape. So when you tape stuff, we'd watch it like, once or twice a week. So I had this monologue memorized. Didn't mean anything to me because I was just so new to the SNL monologue in general until one day his dad accidentally taped over it. And I'm like, oh. dude, we had the only copy of this monologue. And that was true for, <laughs> for over a dozen years. I was shocked to find out SNL, the official YouTube account, has now uploaded the uncensored monologue to YouTube. Because wow. it, yeah, it is tamed by today's con by today's comparisons, blah blah blah. Things you'll see on YouTube. It is what sexist, like kind of gross. And what the only reason I wanted to play a clip from it is it's the only response I've heard like this from people in the SNL audience. Because you can hear women actually like, ew, like. <laughs> <laughs> the, remember, these are people who waited in line for hours or who bid in a lottery of tickets. They are happy to be at SNL. They want to laugh at everything. There are laughs in here, but you hear revulsion in the audience. And it's only, the, he he does a Bobbit piece, but he constantly refers to the dick as the pilly packer. That's what I remember. Because <laughs> at this point, there aren't a lot of appropriate euphemisms you can use over and over again for the dick other than penis. So he says pilly packer constantly. And I hate that somehow way more than saying any dick word, real dick word. But this is when he goes into why women should douche because their ass stinks. This is following how he says they should stick certs and tic tacks up themselves. Ah. Which, in, I, again, it rolled off my back at the time, but like even now I don't think you'd do this on HBO. But listen, listen to the, the women in the audience respond to this. 
And then, you know, because I'm a man, I like to kiss on women. You know, I like to kiss all over their bodies. You know, but if you're, you're not clean in your proper areas, I can't, you know, kiss all over the places I want to kiss, you know. Some women unless you go down, you know what I'm saying, knowing they got a yeast infection. I'm sorry. Sorry. Come up with dough all on your damn lip. Got a bagel and a croissant on your lip. Anybody got any butter? I like jelly on my... And I, he tears his shirt open and says, we got a great show for you. Here's the other thing about this. I looked up the bike messenger sketch. I think Mike Myers had, I think it was the only time that happened. He's a bike messenger in New York riding and people just yell at him from the street, usually insults. And Martin Lawrence, so sorry, what I meant to get into, I looked up, the SNL monologue is rehearsed. It's timed. I don't know how you can do that on accident, but allegedly he was not clear to say some of the stuff that he said. I don't know that anybody else has really done that on SNL. Like, uh, you stick to your time. Otherwise, you fuck up the entire show. But it looks like he did do that. Later on in the Bike Messenger sketch, he yells motherfucker at, <laughs> at Mike Myers' character. And it was fucking hilarious. And I looked at, okay, oh, they added this sketch on YouTube as well. I can't prove this. He, but what I remember, because we watched it over and over and over again, Mark Martin Lawrence has a frown on his face and yells "motherfucker." In this version, he has a smile and yells something that is not "motherfucker." It is bleep too. Ah, so I don't. It could be from the dress rehearsal then. That's so. In my my head canon was like, did Martin Lawrence scream "motherfucker" live on network television? As in addition <laughs> to this material, that's been my head canon, and now it's ruined because. Yeah, the dress rehearsal sketch looks like the one that I, that is online. Again, I can't prove it because they did fucking Steve's dad destroyed the tape. Our only evidence. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, something more in Jr's alley because I didn't get a chance to watch the end of Briscoe County Junior. The the, the so pilot of which quite, I loved. This is not the oh, end. Okay. This is the end of the arc. Mm. For ah. some reason, they didn't end the arc on the final season finale or series finale as it turned out they ended it like five episodes before then i have no idea why uh the whole big arc for most of this season was about the orb what is the orb where does it come from uh this shows a big climax to that storyline with time travel again really weird decision to have it be like seven episodes before the end of the season i have no idea why other than maybe they were just desperate for ratings at this point <laughs> yeah story's not working that's uh, we need another one yeah i, I imagine they were and also on uh also on our beloved fox network the haven for gen x millennial youth with all the good shows on it x files e- episode ebe yeah this is the first really big mythology centered episode of the x files the x files had monster of the week episodes which is what i have the most experience with Mm -hmm. i have hardly any experience with the mythology but it was you know over all of its seasons having this grand arc this grand journey of exploring where the truth is out there and this is the first major episode that really centers on this mythology and it's uh also the first appearance the lone gunman would get their brief lived series yeah, we're going to run this clip. I do like the little speech that's given in it. Maybe it didn't know what a gun was, or perhaps they don't show emotion. But that innocent and 
blank expression as I pulled the triggers haunted me. Until I found you. That's why I come to you, Mr. Mulder, and will continue to come to you to atone for what I've done. And maybe sometime through you, the truth will be known. Yeah, mm. I did an X-Files rewatch having been not familiar with it. Uh, Chris Carter, that's that's the name of the creator, really mm. mucked. Those new episodes, like, holy shit, do I not Ooh. care about the overarching conspiracy at all anymore. All the fun episodes of the X-Files are the Monster of the Week episodes. The stuff that's never readdressed. The stuff yep. that disappears into the night. Almost every episode of the X-Files ends like that. <laughs> then it disappeared into the night. Um, mm-hmm. But an episode I do fondly remember and see memed uh, constantly. Uh, up to and including the the Barbie nom- Oscar nomination fiasco. Malibu Stacy meme got whipped out again. Uh, but yeah, Lisa versus Malibu Stacy. A very good Lisa-focused episode. My favorite Simpsons episode. Really? Uh, really. And I, I don't. I shouldn't have to argue this point, but because it is, it's another one of these episodes where it's like, I can't believe there's all these bits are all from the same episode. Like I thought they were six different episodes starts out with grandpa giving the Simpson family their inheritance. And he gives a long speech about walking bird. And we had walking bird every Thanksgiving <laughs> and uh, JD Rockefeller over us in a Zeppelin and threw silver dollars at us. So I got my wash basin to catch all the silver dollars. He was another one of those ridiculous fucking speeches. And that's that's just the catalyst to get them to the mall, to have an excuse why they could go to the mall and find out there's a talking Malibu Stacy doll. It says ridiculously sexist crap, which was timely because there was a talking uh, Barbie that said stuff like, Math is hard. Let's go shopping. (laughs) Yes, this is all based on reality, including the gag where, you know, she goes to the other kids with talking Malibu Stacy's and is like, are are you upset by what yours is saying? And one of them says, like, my spidey senses is tickling. Anyone call for a (laughs) webslinger? That was based on a group called the Barbie Liberation Army who figured out that Mattel used the same style voice chips in Spider-Man's and Barbie's would buy them, swap them and return them to stores. Because I, I, you know, I was shocked to eventually find out this was written by two guys, Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein, geniuses in their own right. But there are a lot of feministic jokes that like weren't really the 90s is a really bad place for feminism and mainstream comedy that I'm semi surprised by because even The Simpsons, you know, has some regrettable material in that regard. But this one is vaguely ahead of its time, but I guess that's what happens with a Lisa-focused episode. Is a thousand percent on point, and I relate so strongly to her being the only little girl who is like, this is sexist, and everyone else yeah. is like, he used to have sex, and I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> but also we find out Smithers is a huge collector of Malibu Stacy's. We find out what his screen is when he turns on his computer. <laughs> I, I, I can't. In my head, there was still ambiguity about Waylon Smithers. Uh huh. <laughs> right, and we meet the creator of Malibu Stacy, who's voiced by Kathleen Turner. Hell yeah! Um, who we found out was pushed out of the company because you know her ideas weren't cost effective, and also she was funneling profits to the Viet Cong. <laughs> sure, just skip over. <laughs> I love her saying, "No, I'm too drunk. I'm mm. much too drunk." And. <laughs> 
just yeah the whole thing about uh crusty doing a voice recording which i saw we got a clip of yeah let me play that one talking doll take eight when i get married i'm keeping my own name oh you know that should probably be if i choose to get married uh look little girl we got other talking dollies to record today all right you poindexters let's get this right one, hey, hey, kids, I'm talking crusty. Two, hey, hey, here comes Sly Chomel. Again, here comes Sly Chomel. Sly Chomel. Three. <laughs> bada bing, bada boom, I'm done. Learn from a professional, kid. <laughs> okay, <laughs> as someone who sometimes slips up my words, that rings so true to me. I really <laughs> wish, because it's a balancing act, people. This is supposed to be a natural flow of conversation, and when you screw up, you don't really want to stop the flow no, of the no, conversation. No. But uh, yeah, that is just rings so true to and, me. And spoiled kids these days, for 50 years, talking dolls said three things. Three, mm -hmm. maybe four, because they're all in a <laughs> tiny little record player. And yep. yes, much. love this. Let me think what else. There was something else I was going to bring up. Um, oh, right. A joke I can taste in my mouth. One of, I think, the funniest just one-off gags I have ever seen on The Simpsons. With the lead into it is an amazing quote by itself. It's awful being a kid. No one listens to you. It's rotten being old. No one listens to you. I'm a white male, age 18 to 49. Everyone listens to me, no matter how dumb my suggestions are. <laughs> Nuts okay. and gum. Take, <laughs> nuts and take, gum. Have you ever eaten at last? Have you ever eaten nuts and gum? Because after this came out, baby no. JR oh. deliberately got nuts and got gums and ate them Ugh. because I wanted to be like the Simpsons. No, no, because no, it was. It, I think it was something even a kid could understand. Like, don't do yeah. that. No. That's dumb. I fully understood it was going to be awful. I did it for the it's awful in experience. The it says together and at last on the can. <laughs> that's why I say this is a joke I can taste. I can immediately taste the gum, the nuts. Every time I bite into a nut, and now it's smaller bits, but they're all stuck in the gum. Everything is worse. Thank you, nuts and gum. Oh, so good. Great name for a company, though. So anyone starting yeah. a production company. Nuts, nuts and gum together so, yeah, at last. versus Malibu yeah. Stacey. And, oh, and also, uh, yeah, Kent Brockman spending an entire broadcast talking about a doll, and also the president was arrested for murder. Good night. Yeah, see what I mean about, like, I, I thought these were all from separate episodes. No, they're all packed into Lisa versus Malibu Stacey. Putting uh, down my chip, my so favorite episode. I mean, yeah, it's a fucking fantastic. And just, just seeing how much resonance it had when Barbie got back in the conversation, <laughs> a lot of that material was in Lisa versus Malibu Stacy almost 30 years earlier. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, and then video games of 1994, let's focus on some Genesis stuff because there's a big one in here. Chester mm -hmm. Cheetah Wild, uh, Wild Quest. Don't know what it is. I really, so I, I hate the fact that if I ask you, what is your favorite yeah. Chester Cheetah game from 1994. It's a multiple choice yep. answer. I hate that. They're all pretty good. Really? I always liked Chester Cheetah and he had good games. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know anything about Crystal's ponytail. <laughs> oh. Uh, you help a pony navigate a maze Aww. and help her pony friends break the spells that are cast on them. Joe and Mac, a, I want to say a fantastic game, but it was a launch Super Nintendo game. And I, so I love Joe and Mac, otherwise known as Caveman Ninja. I loved it. 
Loved it. I, I do not understand why cavemen were so popular <laughs> in the 90s. I uh, don't get they didn't have to license which... anything, JR. Yeah. Nobody owns the caveman. Suck it, Mr. Flintstone. And mm. then perhaps one of the biggest games to ever be on the entire platform of the Genesis. Let's see if you can get it from the commercial. Has it got huge new zones? Yeah! Twice as big as Sonic 2? Yeah! Does it have the 3D special stage? Yeah! Do it! New Sonic 3 is now available at a store near you. <laughs> Sonic. I love that fucking commercial. It does have massive new zones. Sonic 3 is a massive game. And I didn't know that until I uh, played through Sonic Origins recently in a row. Like all in one sitting. I played through every Sonic game and Knuckles in a row. And Sonic 3 is... I didn't have it, so it I never loved it that much. But it's really fucking good. Sonic 3 is great. I think it's the best Sonic game on yeah. the Genesis. And I don't think any Sonic game is going to beat it until Sonic Mania almost... 25 years later yeah that's I, I i'm open to that i'm open to that because uh yeah it sold my genesis at this point and it took me a while to get around to sonic 3 let alone playing it all and the way through multiple times the music is really good oh and it was produced by michael jackson yeah you can say kind of yeah. that's the dumbest I, it's all that it's almost been confirmed. They haven't quite done it. There's legal reasons, but they've Yeah, but I, I debunked this back in the day. Game. Michael Jackson may have written the music for Sonic 3, but he's not credited. And, like, if you go into the Sonic credits, the people who are credited for the music are Michael Jackson's producers. So, yeah, ah. it's it, it's been there the whole time, and, like, we've only had vague confirmation of it. But, yeah, that definitely happened. But Michael Jackson was embroiled in a controversy. They didn't want him aligned with the kids' game by the time it came out. So, yeah, it definitely happened. Comic book news, I guess, because uh, this at least they have the balls to announce this, unlike Disney Plus and the MCU. She-Hulk is canceled 30 years ago. Aww. So this is the height of my Marvel mania. I'm subscribing to everything. I'm subscribing to She-Hulk. She was probably my favorite Marvel female character. That's awesome. Uh yeah, there were reasons for that, given <laughs> baby JR's age. But she was also just a really fascinating character because She-Hulk, the comic book, mm -hmm. was all about breaking the fourth Yeah, she was Deadpool before and Deadpool. Exactly, mm -hmm. 100%. And it was really interesting to see narrative played with in a way I'd never seen before. A Marvel character poking fun at Marvel, you know. Yeah, she was it, not it was, always, but like mostly has always been a funny character. And right, I, and you know... Attractive female Marvel characters mm -hmm. are not rare, but funny Marvel characters, yeah. those are pretty rare. Yeah, especially when that consistent, because it, every time it's rebooted, it's rebooted mostly for humor. And I love that that MCU show is like yeah. the only MCU show I have liked from beginning to end. It was the only oh. consistently good one. Yeah, I love I WandaVision. A uh, WandaVision is fine, but. Could you rewatch that? The first three episodes are nothing happening but a parody of a sitcom and <laughs> to lead to reveal. They, there's like two hours there to get to something. They're playing with a lot of, uh, what, what do you call that? Expectations of the MCU universe having come right after Endgame and then don't yeah. do anything for two hours. Whereas She-Hulk stands on its own. It's awesome all the way through. Yeah, She-Hulk's just fun. And yeah, uh, I liked it a lot. It's rumored that it's canceled. That's why I made that joke. But Marvel doesn't need to Disney doesn't need to confirm that because it's streaming it could come back in one year or four years who knows 
Uh, and then, yes, music, uh, 1994. Celine Dion's Power of Love is still number one, but we have some new releases, including Transylvanian Hunger by Dark Throne, uh, In the Nightside Eclipse by Emperor, and Stereopathic Soul Manure <laughs> is that a, by Beck, uh, which is confusing because he has another album out in two weeks. Um, people will notice a lot more. I, is he Beck on the Reality Bites soundtrack? I could have swore I heard him in the movie. He might be. He is pretty underground still. Yeah. Like, and that, sa- that soundtrack is real weird, by the way, because it's not yeah. all Lisa Loeb and stuff you remember. It is a lot of like bridging music from the, the 80s. A lot of brass and saxophone and white people music mm-hmm. uh, in that soundtrack. Yeah, but- so I went through the soundtrack figuring what are we going to go out with? And there's kind of only one choice, which it's a song I didn't like before this movie. I hadn't heard it before this movie. And I, th- I find... A lot of people is it's really like this might be the big dividing line of people in this movie. So many people, they love the scene of them dancing around in the, the gas station to my Sharona because it's like something that them and their friends did. I mean, well, I'm thinking that guy's making three thirty five an hour and he's got to put up with you guys dancing in his store. Yeah. Or he's <laughs> respect like, the working man, you bastards. Or he's like, ah, to be that young dance, young ones dance. Enjoy. It's true. He did bring a boombox with him. So <laughs> it's true. He does like music. But we'll, yeah. we'll go out with a knack. But stay right there. we got more to talk about uh, in just a moment. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. 84 is a hell of a year, listeners. Yes. And this is one of the films that makes 84 such a special year. I mean, I don't remember. I was very young. And definitely not seeing this movie in the theater, but it's like I was there for the resonant success. Like, I thought this was a franchise that would be around forever, ever. (laughs) Everybody had a dog named Gizmo uh, for a really (laughs) long time. Uh, It's Joe Dante's 1984 Gremlins, of course, we're talking about. I I just wanted to say this off the bat. If this is your favorite movie, you either have no taste or the best taste. (laughs) Yes, yes. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Coming in with Slow Jams by Twistas featuring Kanye West and Jamie Foxx. It's number one of the charts uh, 20 years ago, February 16th to the 22nd. We also have new music releases, including uh, The New Found by The Veils, uh, All That We Let In by The Indigo Girls, Fabulous Muscles by Juju, uh, I Don't Want You Back by Amon, uh, Scars of the Crucifix by Decide, and uh, Chick Magnet by Paul Wall. 
Yeah, well, I I did not know this how the music industry works. Apparently, February is death metal month. What? Really? Yeah. Well, month we, of love? we got we got deicide here. We had Dark <laughs> Throne and Emperor in before. There's more to come. I, yeah, all uh, February equals death metal. Hell yeah. Okay. Can't yeah. bring it out of Christmas. It'd be sacrilegious. Uh, news from 20 years ago, fe- February 16th to 22nd. Nazi hunter Simon uh, Weisenthal is awarded an honorary knighthood in recognition of a lifetime of service to humanity. Yeah. Wow. I bet Weisenthal. his opponents did not see that coming. Oh. <laughs> Dude, I'm trying Weisenthal to drink water, such a fucking badass. <laughs> he, uh, Wies- Weisenthal is a fucking badass. He survived the Holocaust, uh, including Matthausen, which was one of the worst camps, and dedicated his life to, yeah, let's find the fuckers. There's, there's people who didn't get tried. There's people who are responsible. Yeah. People who ran the camps, camp guards. Yeah, uh, was part of looking for Joseph Mengele, was part of looking for uh, Adolf Eichmann. Yeah. And now he runs the Simon Wiesenthal Center, which, I, or I mean, he did. He passed away in 2005. I, I saw but, it had it yeah. was in the last 10 years, but I saw like a, do, a documentary on Israel's last Nazi hunter. Like that's his job. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah, let's the, go find those guys. They're, they're all like 98 and, now. And, and they're he, still like, fuck them. He ends up in Florida pulling out a 90 year old man like, what? My stories. <laughs> and, and like, come on, we got you. Nazi. And then like they <laughs> cut to people in Israel and like. I get it, but I don't think we should keep paying for this. If you <laughs> if you made it, you made it. Like um, it's it's the it's past twenty ten. Oh. Like um, <laughs> nah, but at least you can ruin their SEO. If anyone Google's pop pop, and you find out what <laughs> sure. you done. I'm not, yeah, I wasn't God. a victim. Of, what can I say? God, now now I'm just picturing someone with you know no taste making the very last Nazi hunter. As a comedy film. Oh, the last Nazi this, hunter. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, last oh, Nazi wow. hunter going after the last Nazi who's 107. And, you, and you're back. And it's just it, a Walter Matthau. <laughs> it opens up like, a, I got to do my job. The last couple of guys, they were just Shriners. They, they were born in America. What are you doing? I got to get the last Nazi. He's still out there. I know it. <laughs> uh, I like it. Actually, if you want to fictionalize Simon Wiesenthal, Boys from Brazil, Lawrence Olivier is playing a fictionalized uh, Simon Wiesenthal Nazi hunter. And, um, Gregory Peck is playing Joseph Mengele, and sure. that movie's fucking insane. Yes. And has one of the most hardcore fights ever put to film with these two old dudes ripping the shit out of each other. <laughs> it's seriously one of the I most seen in a while. I, brutal I fights. I want to see Boys from Brazil again. So many people are like, this movie is so stupid. And like, yeah, but that fight at the end, what the fuck? Uh, Nazis brings us to European politics <laughs> and uh, um, the first European political party organization the European Greens is established in Rome I don't know what yay. this means I'm going to counter this with the most American news story of all time Dale Earnhardt Jr. wins mm-hmm. his first thingamajig on the same track his daddy died upon no Ooh. what it's like it's like revenge Yay. it's yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> fucking crack <laughs> uh, daytona 500 that's what it is a track what killed my paw yeah a track what killed my paw i don't want to see any more calvin's peeing on number threes my daddy will mm. live forever and uh and news i should probably not even talk about but it is fun 
Disney mm-hmm. officially buys the Muppets this week. The Muppets no. have been Disney properties for 20 years, and they establish a big-ass Muppet studio. And if you remember, being a Muppet fan, then that's arguably the biggest the Muppets ever were since, like, the 1970s and 30 years because it's not Jim Henson shopping around projects to different networks and studios. It's just like Disney's, no, we're going full bore on the Muppets. Remember the Bohemian Rhapsody Beaker video? That oh, comes yeah. right after the acquisition because they have this whole dedicated studio to making Muppet content. The first Muppet movie, fucking great, um, is coming out. Or was it already out? I forget. No. No, it's uh, not out yet. We talked about it in the, thir- in the 10 segment. Oh, okay. That's what it is. Oh. Um, yeah, no, I feel like that was a really, it was a smart business move for Disney. Like, let's lock up this other quadrant of children's entertainment. Mm-hmm. But they've never, they don't understand no. that vibe, man. They don't get it. That is not a Disney property. That is a crazy old hippie property. Yeah, yes, mm-hmm. it probably doesn't belong here. And I always say that Disney should sell them up. It's back to the Henson Studio. Every time they announce something, they just announce a Fortnite for Disney properties and it's like Marvel, Pixar, Disney, Ava- Avatar. That's two things. Uh, <laughs> Avatar, Star Wars. Two and billion dollar things, Chris. I, I know. Mean, you know. <laughs> it grossed more than the Muppets have in their entire life. But never mention yeah. the Muppets and like, what can I compare that to? Oh yeah. Remember when we were on a podcast network before they acquired Oprah and Ellen? That was, that was us on one tree. <laughs> we were the Muppets. <laughs> Once they get bigger properties, they didn't care about us anymore. Yeah. You guys are too weird and you're going on too long. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> That's literally every note we got from Wondery. <laughs> you're being too weird and you're too fucking long. Yep. And they were right. And They're completely right. Yes. This episode's going to run long and I don't care. I mean, uh, I don't love any of the movies that we get to talk about no one's now. making you listen to this go ahead and listen to something else you can't we, we already got your download what yeah you uh, our, our, <laughs> our producers are telling us do not listen to something else uh, i mean why would you listen to this curated list of things that came out and our thoughts on it when you could hear two celebrities boringly talk to one another holy shit mm. i someone asked me if i'm bitter about anything in this field i'm like just that just that any minor celebrity can talk to the, and they'll get tired of this format in like 10 episodes and this will continue to suck, but they'll always beat us always. Yep. Um, anyway, movies of 2004, 50 first dates. Uh, it's still number one at the box office. You can see why. Yes. Yeah, no surprises there. Really. Look what's coming out this week. Another against type role for America's sweetheart, Charles Dutton, rock baby, Carrie Washington, Tim Daly, Tony Shalhoub, Omar Epps and Meg Ryan. And against the ropes, Another directorial debut. This is Charles S. Dutton's directorial debut. Really? Oh, I guess he directed a bunch of television. He's directed a whole lot of television. And TV movies, because he did did do Against the Wall? I can't remember. Um, But, uh, yeah, so this, oh, I wanted this to be so good, and I noped out of it, because the reviews were pretty rough, but it's about, based loosely on the first woman who is a professional boxing manager. Mm-hmm. I am intrigued. This is obviously an extremely masculine world and it's about her like finding an up and comer and, you know, getting screwed with by these guys who seem a bit mobbed up and just follows, sounds like every single, you know, cliche that there is and doesn't do enough to differentiate itself, which makes me sad because someone take another run at this. I I am always interested in very insular worlds. Boxing, it can't be more insular world. And then, and then, and then, there is some sort of outsider 
Like the like, space yeah. shuttle had more launches than most professional fighters had fights in a year. And <laughs> they don't work a lot. They train a lot. And that's yeah. that's the thing you want to see in a movie. And especially a woman. You're a bum. You've, you've, got, you've got nothing. Are you want to show me by now? Yeah. <laughs> I want you to eat lightning and crap thunder. <laughs> <laughs> that's it we're gonna remake rocky with me doing I've... some sort of puppet voice <laughs> <laughs> and uh the, up next uh lucy lawless vinnie jones the, you would never be able to guess the movie from those names uh jessica <laughs> Bors, travis worster uh wester marcel trachenberg jacob pitts and scott uh mechlowitz in euro trip oh wait that's a deleted scene my bad um euro trip the all right. I I now regret there's pretty much every week there is a movie that I regret that I didn't get around to because this one seems to have split everyone mm-hmm. so much that like I want to make up my own mind about it. But did anyone else watch? Euro I have Trek? watched it before. I've watched it. Okay. I watched it before because its legacy has improved quite a bit. People tend to hold this aloft as like this is one of the actual good R-rated teen comedies of the 2000s. Okay. I love how cruel this movie is. Okay. (laughs) That is not something modern movies are willing to go to in a lot of places, but everyone gets like the worst things ever happen to them. (laughs) And at no point do you ever think you're in for uh, a non-cruel movie because from the very first scene in this film, they play one of the cruelest songs in the world. And it is an absolute banger. <laughs> I, I saw you ask to go out with that. We absolutely will. I listened yes. to it and I laughed my butt off and, and found out that um, uh, Matt Damon has a cameo in this and that people yell it's, it at him. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> one of the greatest cameos of all time. Okay. They were filming this in Prague uh, and the SARS epidemic had just happened. So they had been closing everything down. Matt Damon was filming the Brothers Grimm and the director and him of this film were buddies from college. And he said, hey, why don't you come over here? So he just walks across Europe, basically, (laughs) does a four hour shoot, shaves his head because he was wearing a wig. Looks like this badass punk rocker who sings a song to Scotty about how he is fucking his girlfriend without Scotty knowing that he's fucking his girlfriend. And it works. It works so well. And Matt Damon has oh. a fuck ton of great cameos. Now to think of it, Thor he and does. Deadpool and that Duncan commercial from yeah, that was my favorite, last week. my favorite cameo. Well, him and Jennifer Beals, there were two different Super Bowl commercials based on flash dance. <laughs> the nerds huh. one. <laughs> there was a nerd one and then there was the one with Momoa and the guys from Scrubs and and actually Jennifer Beals so that one obviously wins. Mm. Okay, so the plot of Eurotrip is a quest to get laid movie. It's a guy wants to go meet his German pen pal, right? Yes, meet his German pen pal because his uh, girlfriend broke up with him publicly. Uh, she has a great line. I'm just tired of the lying and cheating. And he's like, I've never lied or cheated on you and she says, "Yes, that w- that's what makes this so difficult." <laughs> And so he goes off to Europe. They don't have any money. They go through wacky shenanigans. Are you in a goofball uh, post-college mood? Okay, because these characters are so much better than the characters in Reality Bites. Okay? <laughs> like, and it's not even close. 
and they're all you know delightful stereotypes but they actually have heart and they actually grow and i was in the right mood to watch this i was just needing a cheer-up film this cheered me up it works. You didn't like the, the bunch funny. of Gen Xers moping around their own house, smoke-filled house? Their giant <laughs> yeah. house. Well, yeah. yeah. Living there with six people or something. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. It's hard to tell because there's a point where they're like, Steve Zahn, do you even live here? And I'm like, I thought he did. Wait. No, I'm, con- I'm so confused. Yeah, is he dating Janine Garofalo? Clearly not. And anyway, nope. Eurotrip. Yep. Eurotrip. A pseudo-sequel anyway. to Road Trip. Right. Yeah, but I feel like Road Trip is just forgotten, but yeah. Euro Trip sticks around, and Scotty doesn't know is a huge factor in that. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it seems odd that this this film's legacy has grown with time because it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't even it. connect that this is supposed to be related to Road Trip. Yeah. With the what's Tom his name? Green. Tom Green. Barely Thank in you. it, but he's on the cover. Yeah. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Not yeah. when you got Vinnie Jones and Lucy Lawless. And wait, Lucy Lawless plays a, a Dutch sex worker. Yes, yes. And uh, again, you know, delightfully cruel. Our protagonist goes in, and uh, it's a bondage uh, brothel, and he doesn't Ooh. really know that. So they give him a safe word, and it's like this sixty-five letter Dutch <laughs> word. <laughs> trying to say it and he keeps fucking up and then he finally thinks he says it but what he's actually called for is like the biggest dildo in the world (laughs) oh god Uh, all right yeah Uh, i do regret i didn't get to this now i might have to watch it after the show because i I could use something silly definitely (laughs) and uh oh man this comedy might not fare any better but it is i love mentioning it because it's a person who retired this their final film and has is not dead apparently still doing well uh rip torn not rip torn fred nope. savage christine baranski more tierney uh marcia gay harden uh gene hackman ray romano it's welcome to mooseport everybody <sighs> now there would be no greater honor bestowed on our town to beseech you sir be our mayor. I think you should do it. The biggest question is, is it me or did you just get asked out by the president guy? Yes, I think I did. Is this town small enough? Mr. President, I'm running for the mayor of Mooseport. Are you telling me that I'm running for mayor against the man installing my toilet? For the both of them. Ah, what just happened? You're running against the president. And your girlfriend's dating him. Let's bury this guy. It's welcome to Mooseport. Welcome to Mooseport. Yes, the final actual film of Gene Hackman, except that he's narrated a couple Marine Corps documentaries because he Mm -hmm. was a Marine, and his induction photo is on his Wikipedia page. He looks like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And and then randomly popping up in 2008 on an episode of Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, which I watched last night. It's wonderful. They're just talking about this great roadhouse and have this great food. And they serve Scrapple because the guy who runs it's a Philadelphian and he's got a really thick Philly accent. And they're like, yeah, we just talked well, to people here. And it's just like and Gene Hackman. <laughs> typically, when you when someone is isn't in anything for 20 years, you're like, oh, that must be in a sad state. A picture of Gene Hackman came out like, yep, just riding bikes, having a great time, enjoying my retirement. Like just, doesn't just li- living in Santa Fe, 94 years young. Yeah. Just seems like. Yeah, what? I, I've done everything I need to do. So I also because I love Gene Hackman. I think he is an unlikely movie star in any era, just because mm. he's not necessarily pretty, and he managed 
dude, 50 years of top top billing for Gene Hackman. Yeah. And this this seems like it's pretty easy for him because oh, it's yeah. basically the same character as the birdcage. <laughs> yes. It's very, very similar in that, like, I have to be a very important person and wacky things will happen around me. An easily ruffable political figure. But he's the <sighs> former president retired in a small town who runs afoul of Ray Romano. Home Alone shenanigans ensue. And yeah. hard to recommend. Although I did hear a political strategist who knows m- many presidents and someone asked him like, what are the most accurate depictions of presidents or maybe he said former presidents. And he says, it's not a good movie, but like welcome to Mooseport is well observed in how it depicts what I know former presidents to be like and what their life is like. And mm. <laughs> so he had that. If you're dying to see Ray Romano's only starring role outside of an ice age movie. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> It's so frustrating because I, it makes sense for Ray Romano to, tr- to try to hop to movies. And the thing is, he's a fantastic he's actor. an amazing actor. The, but he's so much better at, at drama. At schlubbiness. It, like, I cannot believe how much I've had to sing the praises of that show, Get Shorty. A show that should not exist. And he plays Gene Hackman's role. In no it. shit. Yes. And he's so fucking good in it. As, he's, as this pathetic producer and <laughs> very obscure i highly recommend men of a certain age I've heard great starring things. ray right. romano it's uh two season didn't make big of an impact it's another slice of life movie yeah. only for you know uh Show, yeah. the early 2010s for middle aged instead of early 20s for gen x people who don't captures that mo- a demographic that doesn't have a lot of shows uh based on nope. solely on them with, with yeah. Art andre brower right and scott back yeah mm-hmm yeah, got everything. No, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta put it in for the big sick. I thought he deserved an Oscar nomination. Oh yeah, he was, he's wonderful in that. And on vinyl, which I mean, everyone can make fun of that show. He was the best part. He was so, so fun. His, his... I love the Scorsese. Just picked him up. It's like I love this guy. Oh yeah, he... <laughs> <laughs> him, him is the union leader. You, you, you just pull over, told him whatever. We'll, we'll take care of you. No, don't admit <laughs> his low-level mafia donness. It's so good. I think that's that's the thing that maybe is like missing from this movie. I mean, not necessarily the idea that of him being put upon and flustered. Like that is what he's you know really known for and is so good at. And it's like this is not hitting here, man. Well, and I'm bummed. The like it's it's a it's a good cast. It's a cute idea, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You know, in a grumpy old men kind of way, but yeah, welcome to Mooseport just did not end up working for I mean, me. With a title like that, you know, they had a lot of faith in it. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like the sixth title, I'm sure. Call it Mayor versus President. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, lastly, from 20 years ago, we have uh, Carol Kane. Not to be your favorite, your favorite King. songwriter. Shut up, uh, Megan <laughs> Fox, uh, right. Eli Marenthal, Allison Pill, Glenn Headley. And Adam Garcia, Lindsay Lohan, it's Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. Lola Sepp has a crazy imagination. In my heart, I feel that a legend is about to be born. That legend would be me. Mary, please, don't be such a drama queen. But we all know, when you stretch the truth... Are you partially insane? I am a flamingo in a flock of pigeons. At some point, it'll snap you right back. I have a confession to make. Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. Lohan. <laughs> that was clearly from the Disney Channel <laughs> premiere commercial. Yeah. Where else is this going to go? So, 
we're not the audience for this. No, no. <laughs> we're all in our 20s at this point. This is Megan Fox's debut, though, playing a mean girl, which is perfect for her. I'm not going to watch this. The reviews were like, it's fine for your tweens who are going to want to watch this on Disney Channel. That's fine. I watched about 15 minutes and then I was like, there is no way I'm going to enjoy this and it would be disingenuous to try. <laughs> mm. Uh, but I, you know she she's a teenager and she has you know great aspirations and sometimes she lies about stuff and then the lies start to catch up with her and then there's people spreading rumors about her and then it all works out in the end uh -huh. yes and I'm... oh and oh yeah megan fox gets humiliated in front of everyone and pushed in a pool or something and everyone laughs at her and it's like well that's not going to make her a better person <laughs> <laughs> She's just going to go down the pecking order and pick on that person. Yeah. Just because she's wet, this is going to stop? No. No. And no. Uh, fine. Let's bring it into television because our last segment went hella long. Okay. So I, we skipped something last week so we can talk about them both here. Mm -hmm. Because last week on Chappelle's show, we had Charlie Murphy's True Hollywood Stories. Oh, it was a two-parter. Well, the first part introduced a bunch of assholes to saying i'm rick james bitch mm -hmm. and this week we get to hear about how prince can fucking ball yes which uh god damn these are funny stories and i don't think i knew i had not put it together that charlie murphy was eddie murphy's brother it was like a it was right. fascinating because he was he'd been on the show the previous season we are he'd been on cb4 yeah and uh had no idea and this seems like something how did this become one of the most memorable pieces of a sketch show? It's just a guy telling story. The reenactments of Dark Side of the Ring becoming the highlights of this show. I, yeah, I don't know. It's so funny just because, I mean, these both Rick James and Prince are such ridiculous, larger-than-life, like, mythical creatures. Prince is a mythical creature. Rick James, everyone suddenly thinks he's, like, this lovable guy who did crazy shit. Uh, he, he went to jail for a reason, he burned a lady with a crack pipe and tied her up. Yeah. Like Rick James was a real fucking Restrained piece of shit. Her. But yeah, cocaine is a hell of a drug. You're right. And it, if you remember, he died like weeks after that aired. Mm. And that was like a generation's introduction to Rick James, period. So his yep. when he died, he didn't get the Twitterfication of like, actually, here's why he's a piece of shit. It was just, oh, fucking Rick James died. And I, I did yeah. see somebody found like a black and white photo of Charlie Murphy and Rick James like all over him and like you know this is the night he's talking about look how rick G look how stoic he is compared to how insane rick james looks <laughs> yeah and the prince story i i just love it so much so much because every story about prince ends up being like this where Competition. it's just like none of this none of this makes sense like what what are you no, talking I've, about like i've heard it several yeah. times he will challenge you to something and then disappear and right. <laughs> he will challenge you to, to like basketball is he or just ping pong. you? I, I think so. What I know about Prince, he's like a recluse who's probably getting good at a lot, a lot of things by himself and doesn't like to talk a lot. So when he, but he can hang wherever he wants to. So when he sees you, he's like basketball. You ready? <laughs> you want to? You want I gotta say, if Prince challenged me to a. Anything? Dog juggling contest. <laughs> I would Cat agree to it this. merely to say I was in a dog juggling contest against Prince. And I'm sure I'd be there with like a couple of chihuahuas and <laughs> just sitting there waiting. Wait, 
I thought we were going to juggle dogs. And he did. It's sorry, because Prince, he was a little guy. He was about 5'2". Jesus. And that's part of why he wore heels all the time. Um, and uh, that's so key to the story is that like everyone else gets changed out to play basketball and he just shows up wearing, you know, <laughs> heels <laughs> and a bolero jacket and a frilly shirt <laughs> and schools everyone. And I can't imagine playing basketball in fucking heels. So the, and the funny way, way further in the story, like at the end of the story on Chappelle show, they see the Prince makes everybody pancakes. And then years <laughs> later, for the cover of Prince's album, it's just Dave Chappelle in that sketch serving pancakes. And I saw him on a talk show and he's like, did you know he's going to do that? Did he ask your permission? He's like, no, but that, that's, that's Prince judo. Like, what am I supposed to tell him? No, I just made fun of him pretty nationally. And he took the picture and made it his album cover. Good. More poning of Chappelle. <laughs> there you go. He deserves it. Karma's going to get you. Uh, and this is the thing I meant to get to this week, but I uh, slipped my mind. Uh, the episode of Angel Smile Time. Because before okay. this is one of my, no, I've never watched an episode of Angel, but I watched this clip that you sent, Jr. <laughs> and, and so before, before I had an awareness of Angel, and I'm walking around cons, this is what visually represents Angel. A lot of places, mm-hmm. this is as close as Angel ever got to the musical episode of Buffy. That's the episode uh, where even people who don't normally watch Buffy have watched the musical version just because it's something so unusual. They did, didn't want to just repeat themselves, so they brain-shopped and said, hey, Muppets are a thing. <laughs> who doesn't want to see our big, bad, brooding, sexy vampire turned into a Muppet? <laughs> and by God, they were right, because this is one of my favorite episodes. It is goofy. Uh, so there's a children's television show where they're sucking the souls out of the kids who are watching it. So Angel goes to confront them. Magic happens. Angel gets turned into a puppet. And this is him getting turned into a puppet. Oh, my God. Angel, you're... Fred, don't. Oh, but the little hands and the hair. Hey, you're fired. It was clearly some sort of hex or a powerful warding magic. Maybe in some type of puppet cancer. I do not have puppet cancer. Angel, baby. <laughs> and it's such a funny looking puppet with fantastic puppet work. Oh, it's it's really solid puppetry in fact i i don't know if this will play visually but if this is not the greatest puppet fight of all time <laughs> it's in the discussion people Let's see it's smile time no it's not it's time to wow ass wow holy i'm gonna tear you a new puppet hole bitch Dude. So, you got a little demon in you. I got a lot of demon in me. Wow! Wow! <laughs> now, come turns on. into a vampire puppet. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you could see how much I'm enjoying this. Holy shit, from him being set up and brooding over a steeple with a sword on his back, it's a, yeah. to a kid being thrown yeah. through a treehouse. Yeah, my, ex- never- I, I was say, my experience is waking up in the morning and being like, looking at my phone, oh, I got a text. I wonder what this is. I'm just walking into 
a, a, oh. a deadly vampire Muppet fight. <laughs> like, <laughs> Smile time is the name of the episode if we didn't say it. Smile time. Oh yeah. If you've never, I will say this. This is a perfect one shot like the uh, X-Files episodes Monster of the Week. That's what this is. It doesn't advance any plot. You, if you've never watched an episode of Angel, start here. Mm. Just watch this episode. Yeah. Um, i trying to remember where it streams. Uh, probably Hulu. I think it's a Disney-owned probably. thing now. Yeah. Uh, and then the HBO movie this week, <laughs> um, Jawed Angels with Hilary Swank, Francis O'Connor, Julie Armand, Angelica Houston in her name. Oh, Molly, Molly Parker. Yeah. Iron Jawed Angels. Iron. Oh, Iron Jawed Angels. My bad. Iron Jawed. Not just angels with jaws. <laughs> They've got Iron I, Jaws. Uh, yeah, this is a, a really solid uh, HBO movie about the um, suffragette movement mm. and everything that they went through. And I love that it doesn't like sugarcoat it besides showing like once people got arrested and they went on a hunger strike and they forced them to eat and the conditions they were in. But also addresses that um, suffragettes really did not care about black people mm. because they didn't want to alienate any possible allies. So they threw them straight under the bus and basically said, votes for white women because we need Southern support. And I love that they didn't skirt that. They didn't just say like, oh no, and the suffragettes were all great and everything they wanted was awesome. And the 19th amendment is the best and everything is cool now. It's like, no. They, what, they address it with like, we'll get to it. But right now, basically, well, I mean, yeah, they address it by having black activists be like, "Can we be in your march?" And then being like, "No, no, yeah. no that would be didn't care. They didn't. Yeah. Just because you support one thing that's good, does not mean you support everything that's good. There were plenty yeah. of suffragettes who were, well, to be fair, almost. I would say 99% of America was racist by 2024 standards in 1919. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's it's a solid primer if you need to understand what what uh, votes for women was all about, and why uh, we might have to go march some more. It never fucking ends. Mm. But you know what does end? Crazy. Uh, <laughs> for a while, for a while, it ends. I Mm. Again, you know what? I have a theme going. Speaking of narcissists. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yes. Oh, come on. Because Mikhail Baryshnikov on this show played a narcissist. Oh, okay. That was what oh. was going on at the end of Sex in the City. Here we are. We are at the finale. But in that last season, she starts dating this artist played by Mikhail Baryshnikov. And whoever was writing that nailed it. Because, again, I dated a narcissist, too. And... I was like being able to call out what was going to happen, not because it was predictable, but because it was familiar. Like he's going to get nervous about going to his big event and he's going to be like, oh, can you come with me? Even though you have something important you want to go do. And when they get there, he's going to ignore her. And then her opportunity is going to go be gone because he wants her attention on him only and doesn't want her to have her own life. I called it. Mm. So nice. she's moved to Paris with him. It's not going well. And in the end, Big comes and rescues her, basically. And uh, that's the end of the show. And then dies. <laughs> See, all right. I consider Carrie Bradshaw to be an anti-hero. And yes. that's not a slam. <laughs> it's not. Tony Soprano is my favorite character in all of fiction. And he is a garbage human being. Now, Carrie Bradshaw is nowhere near the Tony Soprano level. But she's not a good person. No. She doesn't low learn and grow in the series. And I think she is Very doomed. Little. 
to make the same. Yes, she she learned something, but I think she is doomed to make the same mistakes over and over again. Because although the TV show presents marrying Mr. Big as the happy good ending, I don't actually think it is. I think if you no. look at their relationship, she craves him like a drug. And that's not me saying that. She says that multiple times in the series. Mr. Big is like a drug. I think she craves his aloofness. I think she craves the chase of him. Mm. She craves not being able to have him. And if you look at when she actually has him, she's not that happy and they quickly break it up. So just because they get married at the end of the series, if yes i'm aware well, there's in, a in the uh, movie no the the movie is right. when they get married they're just together okay. again at the end of the show all yeah. right okay but yeah. and there's well, there's a new show where he, he's dead well, like immediately I, yeah he's dead because of uh off-screen bad acts but um yeah no sex in the city i mean it's revolutionary in so many ways but uh yeah it is fun that carrie bradshaw i've always found the least compelling character on the show yeah because she is she is, and that's not just me slamming her for, you know, writing one column a week and being able to afford $1,000 <laughs> shoes, but <laughs> it's that she is incredibly needy and her friends are, was it, she's needy and her friends are uh, prissy, bossy, and slutty. And I find, <laughs> I find those characters more interesting in a lot of ways. Yes, I'm a Miranda. Don't even start with me. Oh, you get to date Steve, the wormy guy. No, oh, Steve's Diane. a good guy. Underneath. I know. I just do a decent oh. impression of him. That's good for you. <laughs> well, and she also gets to fuck Blair Underwood, who is fine. <laughs> but anyway, I don't think you would ever be friends with Carrie in real life. No, no, no I mean, it's not my scene. Well, I mean, no. yeah, I don't think I'd meet Carrie Bradshaw in real life. Yeah, that's the other thing. Mm. We are so yeah, stratified, but, I, but I'm also but, shocked this ended. Because she, well, Sex and yeah. City is is part of this renewed era of HBO. And well, it was early. It's pre-Sopranos. It began in 1998. Sopranos yeah. didn't come until 99, and tail end of 99. Well, it's, it's that, that it's so. in that post Oz area that led to the Sopranos being greenlit. And can, this was a lot less hard, a lot less hard to shoot than the Sopranos and keep keep the cast around. So I'm just shocked. Salaries they were, oh, kept going. It's got to be what it yeah. was. That yeah. was a big, big, big part of it. And yeah, some tension between, you know, actors and, and yeah. yeah. And we talked while, about it with Chappelle. Stuff. Those DVD sales had to be astronomical. There oh, yeah. was not a female person I knew without these DVD sets, period. Yeah. And and this is, Sex and the City is one of those shows that I feel like a lot of my guy friends, their knee jerk is like, I, I hate that. I don't want anything to do with that. No. That looks like it's stupid. This show is smarter about realistic sex and relationship stuff than most people give it credit for that's i think i've said it before but like i i've seen all of sex the city numerous times never having it be my choice but of, of the, the things my my lady would watch this is the best this is it was great yeah yeah 2004 was my like peak hbo hbo fanboy mode mm. because i was just like well I don't have much time. The only television I'm going to watch is premiere television. And in 2004, that was basically HBO. Yep. So yep. I looked up most of their old series like Oz and Sex and the Cities as I was waiting for the new uh, season of The Sopranos to start. And, and where, where you could make the I decision like, uh, yeah, $80 for first season of Six Feet Under. That seems fair. Like <laughs> I, I, I had a awesome video rental store mm -hmm. in Portland, oh, Oregon. Nice. And that's just where I rented a season worth of some television show and watched it and returned it and was awesome. And I got through Sex in the City, uh, at least the first 
two to three seasons then i just kind of trailed off but i remember thinking it was a pretty decent show mm-hmm. in my mid-20s yeah. yeah i mean everything people make fun of it for it it definitely has their love of fashion and expensive shoes and being at hip nightclubs and drinking cosmos and okay bad puns about dicks sure but then they, they get into some stuff man i'm just like and it's all like the minutia dumb stuff that is so realistic in relationships that no one ever shows anymore. Mm-hmm. Even like, and specifically things like talking about blowjobs. Mm-hmm. There are a bunch of different scenes where they get so specific about blowjobs. I, I damn near gave them a standing ovation of like, it's called, not called a job for nothing. <laughs> then again, light, big recommend for Jacqueline Novak's Netflix special, all about blowjobs. Best comedy special I've seen in years. Ooh. And, so, uh, and, yeah, Sex and the City, and then we get to Sex and the City movies, which I feel like betray everything the show was yeah, about. Kind of just as superficial as everyone made fun of them for being. They're they're also like enhanced episodes, so they're super. Jo- so like I I was seeing this girl watch done Sex and the City, and every girl I dated after that like Sex and the movie City movies out. It's not getting good reviews. I'm like it doesn't matter. We're going. Oh, I'm I'm the one demanding. We I'm going to see how this ends. God damn it! I hear Stanford gets married. Uh, <laughs> oh, he does, and Liza's there. Yes, we're it's going. Yeah, yeah. Nah, I don't know what we have. I don't think we have an equivalent to something like Sex in the City. I feel like everything they talk about is being like, "Ooh, this is so edgy." It's like it's edgy, like Euphoria. Like you're just being edgy. You're not being heartfelt. I, there was a brutal honesty to Sex in the City that I I think. I didn't hear a lot of criticism that some people felt betrayed by the getting together with Big anyway, because that isn't the brutal yeah. honesty of that kind of relationship. That's the fairy tale ending to that yeah. relationship. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Should have dumped him. Should have dumped him. Let's get into the video games of 2004, because there's not many. Um, but notably, Wired's Vaporware Awards <laughs> gives its first lifetime achievement <laughs> to uh, recurring winner Duke Nukem Forever. I love this. I love that they had to retire Duke Nukem Forever as being a contender for Vaporware of the Year because it won so many years. And it would have kept on winning yes. for another seven years if if they hadn't just given if it Gearbox the lifetime. Gearbox hadn't it, tried to redeem it, which it failed at. And I fucking, I wish I could tell that in a documentary. I hate that they ended the saga of Duke Nukem. How dare you release the Duke Nukem Forever game and put an end to this amazing story of a game in development for how many years? It seemed like a lot back then, but I think it may be like 10 and change. But it it, it is a lot for a game, but like this would have been a fun thing to mention forever until you actually brought it out, and you did. It got four out of 10s, and nobody cared. Boo. Duke Nukem Forever. Uh, more notably... Because it's one of those things I, I never get tired of mentioning how when Hollywood felt like movies are too expensive, games is where we can serve these franchises. In this case, an actor, Jet Li, getting his own game, Rise to Honor, a game that is not based on a movie or based on a property, but based on Jet Li with nods to all of his other films. Cool fucking concept. Kind of... <laughs> I'd say maybe a difficult sell in America because when I look through the references, it's like, I've never even heard of that movie, man. Like, that's Jet Li has a huge career outside of the United States, but uh, I totally forgot about this game. A model of Jet Li doing Jet Li things, but you're controlling him. Neat. And it's also PS2, which we know holds up visually. 
hundred percent every single time. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, yes, uh, this outro, as promised, is going to be Scotty doesn't know by Lustra from Euro Trip, but <laughs> Jr. <laughs> taking a victory lap. Good. But uh, yeah, stay right there. We got one more segment to do. Thirty twenty ten. Ten years ago. Don't go anywhere. Scotty doesn't know that Fiona and me do it in my van every Sunday. She tells him she's in church, but she doesn't go. Still, she's on her knees, and Scotty doesn't know. Oh, Scotty doesn't know. So don't tell Scotty. Scotty doesn't know. Scotty doesn't know. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of February 16th through 22nd, I tried to come up with bridging information of how these, there's a theme for these movies, and I can't. So let's just start with 40 years ago this week, 1984, saw the release of one of those movies that critics at the time said, well, this is it. This is the end of cinema. It's Footloose. With Kevin Bacon and Laurie Singer and John Lithgow. They said, like, this is the end of cinema because obviously MTV has become hugely popular. And this movie is pretty much a series of music videos. Believe me, if you go to any sort of thrift store and start going through their albums, there's a two out of three chance you're going to hit this soundtrack. The soundtrack was massive because it's got Footloose and Let's Hear It for the Boy, Holding Out for a Hero, Almost Paradise... I'm free, heaven helps the man. Yeah, this, every single song I think charted off of this thing. And they're all a lot of fun. So, yeah, Footloose, it's fine. It's cute, you know? It's about a, a big city boy who ends up in a small town where they don't allow dancing. And, and so he wants to dance. And then he teaches people to dance. And then they dance. It's just, it's so fun. It's like, it's completely harmless. And it's so fun to look at the critics back then of just being like, we're all doomed, doomed because of Footloose. And then here's, I really wanted to connect these two movies and I can't, but if you are a dork like me and want to watch every best picture winner, I advise you to not go chronologically because the thirties are a slog. Uh, usually two or three kind of not good or haven't aged well movies that are just too slow and too boring until you hit Best Picture winner of 1934, turning 90 years old. The ur-text of all rom-coms, It Happened One Night. Directed by Frank Capra, starring Clark Gable and Claudette Colbert. It's probably the first one that feels like, oh, this is a movie. <laughs> this is a recognizable kind of movie. Some of those other ones, like, they just, they feel stagey, or, or they're just too slow. And it's like, you could probably just remake this with the same script today and it would still work because it's you know it, it's uh, about uh, you know kind of like a runaway bride sort of situation you know where this journalist is uh, tracking this girl who's you know run away and they're a mismatched couple and they fight all the time they're on the road it's cute it's wacky it's completely watchable what what about Bugs Bunny it's the basis for Bugs Bunny oh you're right Clark Gable eating the carrot is, is Bugs Bunny's thing yeah, it's it's just it's it's a lot of fun. It is it's weird that you know it's ninety years old. You have these ninety year old cars and buses, and I think there's a little gyrocopter type thing. Where it's like, what the fuck is that contraption? Someone gonna show up in a zeppelin next and throw silver dollars? I don't know. 
So, yeah, it happened one night from 1934. Do you want to watch a 90-year-old rom-com and have it totally work for you? Here you go. And then uh, the rest of the 30s is a slog until uh, you can't take it with you in 38. So don't don't do them sequentially. It, it, it's, the 30s are too much of a drag. But, uh, yeah, total recommend for it happened one night. Uh, if you want to do a, something post-Valentine's Day, there you go. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Cause I know what that girl them need New York to Haiti I got lipstick stamps on my passport You make it hard to live Been around the world, don't speak the language But your booty don't need explaining All I really need to understand is When you talk dirty to me Coming into 2014 with Talking Dirty by Jason Derulo. Welcome to 10 years ago, the, the 10 and 30, 2010, the final segment, February 16th to the 22nd. There's also other new music out 10 years ago, such as Music Speaks by American Idol winner, winner Candace Glover, uh, the self-titled debut of Issues, uh, Voices by Fantogram, Morning Phase by Beck. Hey, Beck's got two albums out on our show. Bad Self Portraits by Lake Street Dive, Burn Your Fire for No Witness, uh, by An- Angel Olsen and Motivational Jumpsuit by Guided by Voices. Dark Horse by Katy Perry featuring uh, Juicy J is still number one. A little bit of news to bring you into 10 years ago. Um, a lot of political stuff. I'm glad JR is with us for some of this. Uh, <laughs> U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry states that only a small window of time remains for climate change. I like it when people say this, but... Having lived as long as I have, this has been very jumbled. This is the last year to do something. 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 Mm-hmm. We pass that seemingly over and over again. It's a very dangerous claim to make because mm-hmm. then people are like, well, you already said it and yeah. nothing happened in the last six months, so I guess we're fine. It's, I guess and all I have left to do is make oil barons rich. Come on. There's other reasons to go to sustainable climate-controlled stuff, people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 10 years ago, yeah. And then also 10 years ago, the Ukrainian revolution of 2014 begins as protesters, riot police, and unknown shooters take part in a violent event at the capital, Kiev. This is one of those, like, rare, just overwhelmingly positive revolutions in history. It's Mm. just uh, the very bad guys got overthrown and got replaced by a very good democracy. Uh, Ukraine was really corrupt. It was a dictatorship. They had a revolution. They spent eight years becoming more peaceful, more democratic, democratic, more prosperous, crushing down corruption. It's still high, but it's a lot lower than it was eight years ago. And then the Russians invade because mm. the one thing Putin can't stand is a successful uh, state right next to him that's showing how crappy his own rule is and how there's <laughs> another path. It's no. I mean, I, yeah. Pretty sure Tucker Carlson would have told me that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is he going to talk to Victor Yanukovych? It's just, he's still around hiding somewhere. It's in the area. a pile of stolen money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that guy sucked. And then uh, 10 Poor years. Ukraine. 10 years ago, stateside, uh, Aberdeen, Washington, in fact, unveils a statue of a weeping Kurt Cobain at a park named after the singer. I'm sorry. I, the weeping thing is I hadn't read that part for some reason. Why is he crying? I'm I'm looking at a picture of it, and it's like, depending on the angle, he looks like Kurt or he looks like Jesus. Oh, yeah. The hair. <laughs> it's got to be the hair. Yeah. Yeah. But 
Uh, this is how the local news covered the statue. Oh, no. Kurt Cobain, the lead singer of Nirvana, was a well-known heroin addict who shot himself nearly 20 years ago. Tonight, his hometown of Aberdeen is honoring him. South Bureau Chief Drew Mickelson is live at the Kurt Cobain Day celebration that some in Aberdeen say should not be happening. Drew. Well, Dennis, how else would you celebrate Kurt Cobain Day than with the live, loud rock band? That's what they have down here at the Museum of History, where they're just about to unveil a new statue of Kurt Cobain. Some folks would like to hide that part of this town's history, but not the mayor. He says now is the time to celebrate this controversial rock star. What the? F I have never seen something covered by some old, out-of-touch people in widescreen before. Can you just acknowledge that a bunch of people love this guy and that's his hometown and maybe this is appropriate? Uh, I can tell you I am, from personal I am experience. not liking this. No, yeah. I'm not liking this because he hated Aberdeen, Washington. He yes. hated it so much. Yes. It drove so much of his depression. He tried to kill himself on the train tracks there. Yeah, I can tell you everyone because uh, my dad used to live in Aberdeen, Washington, so I'd come up to him every weekend. Everyone in Aberdeen has some story of how they know Kurt Cobain. Mm -hmm. Oh, his mom used to do laundry with my uncle's cousin. You know, mm -hmm. that level of knowing him. But yeah, he hated Aberdeen when he was a young man. You know, that's one of the things that suicide does is it kills your future self. I have no idea what a 57 year old Kurt Cobain would think of his old s small town today. Maybe he'd be nostalgic for it. You never know how people are going to change over mm -hmm. that length of time. True. Yep. Oh, and the museum burned down in 2018. Hey, just like <laughs> now everybody got their way. All right. Uh, and then, uh, yes, let's move into the movies of 2014. We're 10 years ago. The 16th. Blah. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, so blah. Big blah. Lego movie is still number one of the box office, and I'm just going to venture a guess. It, deserves. it It will be yeah. next week as well, given the movies that come out here. Including, I'm guessing this is our mockbuster. Oh no! You know what? Let's talk about the mockbuster and the blockbuster together. Sure. And bl blow through the, <clears throat> excuse me, blow through the the indie ones first. Uh, Barefoot with Ava, Evan Rachel Wood and Scott Speedman. She's escaped from an asylum, and he wants to take her to a family wedding, and wackiness ensues. And uh, one review I like <laughs> compared her to Ariel and the Little Mermaid, saying like she might as well just be brushing her hair with a fork. Like she's too wacky. <laughs> and it's embarrassing. And then In Secret with uh, Elizabeth Olsen, Jessica Lange, Oscar Isaac, Tom Felton, which is an adaptation of an Emil Zola story about an unhappy marriage and not liking your mother-in-law. And it's like the 1880s and then you have an affair and then um, a tragedy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got, I got, uh, I'm sorry. Neither one of them seems especially no. interesting. No, we're, uh, we're spending time, so let's just get to the mockbuster. 2014 has been letting us down until yeah. we get to Apocalypse Pompeii. The <laughs> John Reese davies starring in the mockbuster Apocalypse Pompeii. I think you could get away with just calling it Pompeii. Studio can't own that shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this one takes place in the modern day, and it's about oh, like okay. like Navy SEALs or Special Forces guys, and, and then they Fighting have to do something and rescue someone from Pompeii exploding now? What? Okay. I, I, did... I don't know. It, it's shot for something like 16 days. <laughs> that's wow. how fast they make these fucking things. Wow, 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 wow. And obviously that's going up against <sighs> Kiefer Sutherland. Jared Harris, the king of a <laughs> local apocalypse movies. 
uh, Jessica, Jessica Lucas, Adewale, Adekine, Adebije. I can never do Adebisi's name justice. Um, you're, you're really close to You do way. it then. Adewale, Akinue, Agbaje. Agbaje. Adebaje. Emily Brown and Carrie Ann Moss and Kit Harrington in Pompeii. Pompeii! Let the games begin! Slaves that live earn their freedom. Only death is freedom for a gladiator. Can you feel that? to get to the harbor. Whatever is happening here, perhaps the gods spare us for a reason. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Mm. <laughs> um, All right, JR, do you want a history nerd out on this now or do you want me to go? Uh, go right ahead. Can I, can I just say that like as a little kid, just having whatever books I had at my disposal, the first truly traumatizing and horrifying images for one, were ones mm-hmm. from Pompeii. It made me fear volcanoes for the long... Like quicksand for way too long as a little kid. Uh, vo- volcanoes were pretty traumatizing to me, and I thought we were always in danger in Florida being hit by one. So uh, it was one of the first. It was a, one of the first catastrophes I was ever aware of, and I might have been excited to see a movie about it. Go right. ahead. History. So the city apparently they've laid it out accurately in the movie, and and they tried very hard to make the volcanic parts accurate. Except with the giant lava bombs flying in from the air, because that didn't actually happen. Also, the eruption took place gradually over two days. So a lot of people managed to evacuate. They make it look like this happened in a couple hours. Yeah, how do how you have all those encased Which people? Which would have like... been a better movie. Okay, yeah. because... Okay, the Titanic movie tried to be so historically accurate mm-hmm. with the sinking process, and James Cameron really nerded out on that. And they should have done it with this film. The, oh, oh, I know it's so ominous okay. that, that, that there's like this rain of ash from the sky, but it's not doing anything. There's just a mm-hmm. lot of ash. Gosh, that's weird. Yeah. They have the earthquakes and stuff, but they make them seem like more, I don't know, like, eh, it happens. Yeah, but if it was like a two-day event where you had your characters who kept having tragedy after tragedy happen, where they're some of the last people to leave, that could have been haunting. But this is so – it's Pearl Harbor. It's Pearl Harbor the movie uh, all over again. It is. They just do not care about the actual history, and it would have been so easy. Okay, take a drink. I've been to Pompeii. Yes! I went there. Yeah. I went there with my wife. We've seen the cast of people thousand year plus dead. And you can see the pose they died in. You could have opened up the movie with those poses and then have our characters go throughout their lives. And you see how they don't escape. That could have been how they end up in those poses. Right. Right. They kind of they kind of do that. Mm not well and not yeah. realistic enough and too cheesy and yeah. seeing those poses and walking around Pompeii was as close to time travel as I was ever going to get. It is amazing because you feel like you are in ancient Rome. It is preserved that well. It is amazing to just be there. And it's a spiritual experience in a lot of ways because I'm there and my wife 
is amazed at how connected she feels to these various things. That comb feels a lot like a comb I have today. All these things that are recognizable still in our civilization today. And it's this connection to the past that is powerful and deep. And this movie <laughs> is not that. I'm surprised no. the Resident Evil director guy couldn't. Hit my, no, my least favorite directors, the worst yeah. Paul Anderson. <laughs> so, is, yeah. So, what? Yeah, this movie is formatted as: Did you like the scene from Gladiator? Here it is again. Did you like the scene from Spartacus? Here it is again. It's literally it, not not doing a single thing new to do. Just do a Gladiator movie for. About an hour. We had a discussion and, about. I think this kind of shit is what makes me dislike Gladiator, a movie I kind of like, <laughs> but because mm -hmm. it just, Hollywood decided to turn it into a genre that needed to be repeated over and over again. Well, ugh. that's the annoying thing. It's like sword and sandal movies were a genre for oh, a yeah. really long time, and it's like they've been narrowed down. Like they went through a funnel. They've been narrowed down to just like, do you remember this from Gladiator? You remember? <laughs> so yeah, it's just that it's exact scenes practically line for line from spartacus or gladiator and then the destruction starts and some of the destruction was you know kind of cool i, I like that there was you know they actually got the yes there was a tsunami involved oh that's kind of neat and yeah it's not lava that's going to get you it's the gas cloud going 60 miles an hour that is heated to like a thousand degrees fahrenheit Jesus yeah Christ. that'll fuck up your day but uh uh, Kiefer Sutherland in this movie. <laughs> he's he's the bad guy. He's like the snooty senator who's sort of he's doing kind of a British accent, but we're not doing the thing that we used to do where the Romans all have British accents and the slaves all have American accents. <laughs> just everyone's kind of British for reasons. And he just feels the second he rides in on a horse, I'm like, you don't belong on a horse, Kiefer. Even though I've seen you on horses in Old West movies, it's like it feels so weird. Like, it doesn't look right. He's just too modern a guy <laughs> to be dressed up in Roman armor. Looks good in a mullet. <laughs> Take him in any century. Yeah. <laughs> uh, didn't have that Lost Boys mullet. That, that would have been funny, too. Yeah. So this was... It exceeded my expectations, because I expected to be screaming at the, at the movie the entire time. Instead, it was just like, yeah, entirely functional without a single original thought in its head. Mm-hmm. No, oh. not definitely not a recommend, but better than I expected from like, Paul W.S. Anderson. So, like okay. Who, who got out of the phenomenon of Game of Thrones successfully into movies? And it seems like almost Ooh. no one. Into movies. Uh, other than Jason Momoa. Like, he dips the first season <laughs> and, and yeah. has the most successful movie career. And everyone else, man, everything Kit Harrington's in, other than the seven, <laughs> the bike riding mockumentary, whatever that's called. Oh. Yeah, the, or no, the the tennis one, which is next oh, year. Oh, uh, seven days. Yeah, <laughs> seven days in hell. Yeah, um, so good. Yeah, I just felt like, well, that guy looks good with a sword. Yeah, it's like, no. and he doesn't have to cut his Game of Thrones hair. <laughs> doesn't have to cut his hair. He's already <laughs> built like crazy, even though you know, I'm sure gladiators are not fed well. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, it's no, Ga silly. gladiators were the professional athletes of the day. They, oh, you yeah. did not want your athlete to be malnourished because then he's going to die and make you less money. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's just a big shrug. Whatever. Big yeah. sh you want? I can make you shrug even bigger. Oh how, yeah, this how, one's another big shrug. How about a Luke Besson script directed by McGee? Uh, uh, <laughs> Connie Nielsen, Haley Stanfield, Amber Heard, and Kevin Costner in Three Days to Kill. Clever. You're the best in the business, Ethan. We need you. I'm retired, remember? 
I just want to spend time with my family. The wolf is the most dangerous terrorist our country has ever faced. Only you can identify them. I'm gonna need a new suit. Dad, where are you? Sweetheart, I'm at war. Three days to kill. Yeah, I was going to say, which one of these two big Hollywood movies is worse? They're both tied for 27 on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> uh, three Days to Kill. Who didn't... I wanted to... I would like to see Kevin... Kevin Costner, I think, could be a great... Ba- really great bad guy in something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But not this. So I watched the first 20 minutes of this, mm-hmm. and for like the first 10, I was thinking it was a parody. I was thinking, <laughs> okay, this is a comedy. They're going to show how goofy and stupid this is. And then for the second 10, I was like, no, no, they're dead serious with this. So then I skipped ahead to the final 15 minutes of the film, and I missed nothing. <laughs> nothing. Yeah. I, 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 it's another one of these where I started it. All right, we're through Act One. Let's go to the middle of Act Two and see if I care. No, no, I don't. I mean, it's again, it's another movie that has like no original ideas, except the idea is, oh, well, he's, you know, he he used to be, you know, aspire hitman, but he's he's retired now, and also he's dying of cancer. But they're going to give him a cure, and but they they gave him a cure, and so sometimes like sometimes he's just kind of tripping out and he he can't do his job. I feel like I've seen this before. Have I, where where have I seen this? Not necessarily like oh he's tripping out because of the cure they gave him, but you know he's not up to par. He gets headaches or his you know his vision goes or something. I feel like I've seen this before. It's just no, it had nothing original in it. I was I yeah, forgot, I forgot it, it ever happened, and I don't even know yeah. if I ever heard anything about it, which is just so weird. Can you compare my experience with the first? two segments of this show not a there's not any of these movies i've never heard of or heard not yep. one person go to bat for and this whole this whole week is filled with that filled with that yep and yeah a lot of that when, has to do with yeah. my age and syndication and all that but yeah let's see movie. when is 2014 gonna pick up i guess next week has got a movie i've heard of okay Th- that winter's <laughs> tale movie was just like what the fuck is happening did i just not go to the movie theater this year holy shit this is awful yeah <laughs> Yeah, 2014 is going to be a slow one. Yeah. Awful. Well, TV oh. at 2014 is almost similar. But uh, good luck, Charlie. You can say goodbye to that show that we probably mentioned. Good luck, Charlie. Yeah. Um, it's a you know family comedy, meaning the parents are something other than one-note dimensional goofballs. So is that's there, something. Is there a joke in that they don't use the word Chuck? Like... <laughs> Good luck, Chuck. How is that not a better title, mm. despite already being a Dan uh, Cook movie? Uh, that's your problem. Uh, Breadwinners premieres. Uh, yeah, this is a animated TV show about two buck, two ducks <laughs> that operate a bread delivery service. <laughs> and I'm not making that up. I love it. But this is how I picture the pitch meeting going. You're watching the show, the ducks are saying stuff, you're yucking it up, you're laughing, your sides are hurting, all of a sudden you realize you're feeling something too. When did that happen? When did the handy quacks become people I care about? When did they become like welcome guests in your home whose weekly visits the whole family eagerly awaits? Take a look at what we got, Peter. (laughs) (laughs) That's not for breadwinners, that's for the uh, Peter Griffin pitch handy quacks. (laughs) But... (laughs) 
Uh, breadwinners. Great title. Great title there. Mm. Uh, in more notable news for us, but also, you know, makes some of us mad. Mead does something weird for me. Jimmy Fallon becomes the new host of The Tonight Show. Uh, yay. With, yeah. yeah, a premiere that includes Will Smith and you 2 and a long line of surprise cameos. Uh, like, kind of impressive amount of cameos. And among them, Joan Rivers, who, which marks her first appearance of The Night Show. Since being blacklisted by Johnny Carson, what was Jay Leno's excuse for never having her on? You can't talk to Joan yeah, fucking probably Rivers? Probably just that yeah, it's, Johnny It's what Carson Johnny would have wanted. He didn't, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess so. But yeah, so from since 1986, I mean, goddamn, it's almost 30 years. But uh, did anyone ask where the hell are the singing cats? No, we did not have a Paul Newman moment. No. It, the, the celebrity cameo moment, I can't tell if it's awesome or under-delivered, but it, of Jimmy Fallon's YouTube videos, this might have the most. It's at almost 8 million views because he's like, uh, thanks for being here. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. So, I, yeah, guess what? You know who you are. You owe me 100 bucks. You lost a bet. I'm sitting here host of the night show, and Robert De Niro comes out and smacks 100 bucks on the table. <laughs> and then Mike Tyson, and then Lindsay Lohan, and then Joan Rivers, which I feel like some, some people in the audience understood how important that was. And then some people I don't remember. And then Mike Tyson, Seth Rogen, who else have I not? It's just a, a parade of non-speaking celebrity cameos. So compared to the Paul Newman thing, I wish he said <laughs> something. That would have been nice. Stephen Colbert comes out last uh, begrudgingly and pours a bucket of 100,000 10,000 pennies on him, $100 worth of pennies, <laughs> and takes a selfie and leaves. Funny. Mm. Uh, and then also premiering this week on TV, Starcrossed, that premieres? Never heard of that one. CW uh, Sci-Fi channel about an alien teenager who's exploring prejudice, trust, <laughs> and love <laughs> at a high school. Thanks, I yep. hate it. And uh, About a Boy, the TV show premieres, which I had no interest in, but Got pretty decent reviews back in the day based on the hmm. Hugh Grant movie. Yeah, which is a, a movie I thought I was going to hate and that I really liked. And mm -hmm. this one's got Minnie Driver. Yeah, hey, Annie hey. Mumolo. Annie Mumolo. We like Annie Mumolo. Farm yeah, and Star going to Vista Del Mar. That's definitely something. Yeah, mm. no, critics said it was actually pretty good, but uh, made like kind of a season and a half. Oh. Well, now that that means we can easily slide into video games of 2014, which has the more notable fucking releases of anything this in this decade this week. Assassin's Creed 4, Black Flag, Freedom Cry. Oh, so not Assassin's Creed 4. Yep. Additional. Content. Well, it's the Freedom Cry, which is the Haitian slave revolt add-on to Black Flag. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and coincidentally, 10 years from the release of Skull and Bones, the pirate, the spiritual follow-up to, I think you said, your favorite Assassin's Creed game is out this week. Uh, and then Strider. Uh, Strider makes his triumphant return, his third game after a <laughs> substantial break, 15-year break. I always think of him as like being far bigger than he obviously it's was. The Marvel vs. Capcom and uh, yeah, Marvel vs. Capcom series yeah. for the most part. But Strider, one of the prettiest arcade games ever. Strider Two is the fucking big. I think that's the really good one. But this Strider is great. This is a, a fucking great Metroidvania game. I worked a little on this. Blah blah blah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of this Strider game. Um, 
I'm trying to remember the studio because they were bought by Amazon not too quickly after this. Uh, also out this week, Plague Incorporated evolved a real-time strategy sim for PC. This is where you play a disease ah. and you try to exterminate <laughs> humanity. This is what Spore and should have been. Yeah. <laughs> this was my game during lockdown. Uh, wow. During, uh, during lockdown, I bought this game and I just practice getting really good at evolving disease how can i make uh, this worse or how can i survive this better no how can i kill off the human race ah, with I the see. disease i see <laughs> yeah i also uh played the pandemic board game which is also a really fun board game also about uh that one you're actually trying to cure the disease <laughs> and uh one of the weirdest games i've ever seen in my life rambo the video game there have been many Rambo games up to this point. I don't know where this one came from. It's a rail shooter, and by that I mean you don't control where you move, but you shoot on screen. Here's the thing. I grew up loving light gun games and playing console and PC ports of light gun games with no light gun. This is a good thing of that, but there there's no light gun support of any kind. Uh it should have been a light gun game. It would have been great. I think it probably was in arcades, but it hit consoles and it was like one of the worst reviewed games of the year. Yeah. But I did not hate it. I did not hate it. I think we streamed it. But no doubt the biggest game of the week is uh, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. One of the greatest platformers of all time, in my opinion. It is lush. It is beautiful. You know, Mario's my jam. But the platforms in Mario make no sense. They're just floating there in the air for no reason and okay that's fine for 1989 donkey kong country tropical freeze makes everything you jump on have some reason for why it's there it's some background thing that comes forward and it all interlocks in this gorgeous tableau of a screen because the whole premise is you're in the tropical islands which has had a freak snowstorm so it's the mix of the frozen and the tropical it looks great it's it's a gorgeous fun game and it's a fair platform yeah there not you go. once have i ever like died and been like bullshit game every time i've died i was like well i fucked that up yeah and uh i i think the soundtrack because i don't think david wise had come back to this he was like the guy who did all the good rare music uh back when rare was making the series and there's a song in here that is so evocative of emmett otter it it made me love the game a thousand times more because it you're right to praise it, Jr. It's just like it was, it was just very similar to Donkey Kong Returns outside of the theming. Mm -hmm. But that's a great game too that I played the shit out of on 3DS because it feels like more of a portable game because it's it, it's deceptively old school. But it was re-released on the Switch. Play as Funky Kong, I think. <laughs> so enjoy <laughs> enjoy there. Still available. Donkey Kong Country Freeze, and that almost wraps it up. We're going to tell you who died during this period and a little quiz you can play along with about who lived. Uh, but this is where I tell you to go to patreon.com slash laser time to give us some money. Five bucks is all we ask. More if you got it, less if you don't. But uh, you can never complain unless you pay. How about that? No, I'm just kidding. But uh, we try and compensate with hundreds of uh, bonus podcasts, new stuff coming all the time. Uh, JR spearheading a bunch of 80s in depth, things we can't cover in this cycle of 30 2010 that came out 40 40 ish years ago. And that's been. Really, really fun because 83 and 84 were the 80s movies really become 80s movies and less 70s yeah. movies. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, uh, you can get that there. A bunch of extra video game apocalypse, laser time stuff, some video stuff. Five bucks. We thank you. Die, where can folks find you in? 
You can find me on the Blue Sky at LeCineNerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D dot B-Sky dot social, I think it is, where I may or may not be just posting my list of angry rhetorical questions about reality bites. It's often how I... <laughs> I have to purge these feelings. It's I did a lovely the same movie. thing. It's a lovely I did the movie. same thing about Phantom Menace. I did the same thing about Twilight Breaking Dawn Part One. Of just like I need to get the poison out of my brain. Uh, but next week, things are picking up a bit. Uh, next week, we let's see. We got uh, Liam Neeson's taking the train. <laughs> uh, Luke Perry is going to ride Broncos. Yeah. David Day Lewis is going to go to prison, possibly where he belongs. Uh, we're going to hear one of the songs that was just in the Super Bowl halftime show because it's going to be number one. Oh. <laughs> and Mel Gibson is going to get Jesus-y. So oh, my God. <laughs> jesus And the counter-programming is the funniest part. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I th- You mean the highest grossing movie of the year by, like, a matter of, like, triple is coming out it's next week? Oh, kind God. of ridiculous. And up against it is going to be... <laughs> Uh, the, the Super Troopers guys trying to take a run at it again, mm. and uh, oh, the no. Dirty Dancing sequel. I, I just spoiled it for you right there. <laughs> oh wow! Oh, and uh, Nazi occultists are going to raise a half demon to comic books. Oh, okay, nice. Now I'm back. All right, I'm back in. And if that wasn't enough, The Simpsons will surely never get more crazy than Homer going to outer space, right? <laughs> It's usually what you do in your last movie. Uh, Uh, Jurassic Park comes to the Sega CD. Okay. And the biggest gut punch in the entire run of Scrubs. Oh, okay. Oh, Oh, and also uh, a really good episode of The Critic that literally no one's going to watch because figure skating is happening. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. Boom. Figure skating is happening. Well, who died during this week, Dime? Uh, all right. This one hurts. In 1994, we lost Randy Schiltz, who was 41, and Derek Jarman, who was 52. Both of them we lost uh, due to AIDS. Mm. Randy Schiltz literally wrote the book on AIDS. He wrote And the Band Played On. Right, About right. the uh, the early search to figure out what is this disease, how do we test for it, how do we stop it? And Derek Jarman is a filmmaker. I suppose Caravaggio is probably his most famous work. He was also an activist and yeah also died of AIDS um too goddamn young mm-hmm. it's it's not it's, no anyway and then in 2014 to contrast with people dying too young we lost Maria Francesca von Trapp who is the last of the original von Trapp singers who was 99 years old Ooh. Hmm. yep she, she wanted one of them uh, sound of music kids that sound it's like a curse to live that long sometimes 99 ugh. Think of all the things you've seen. I know, but think of all the things you knee. All I can think of is knee and back, because I have those Uh, pains now. Yeah, good point. Uh, Good Lord. And with that out of the way, JR, what are we going to talk about who lived? We have the birthday quiz. Birthday time. Turning 50. Born February 17, 1974, in Manhattan. To a special education teacher and an advertising agency art director. Hmm. He is half Irish, quarter Italian, one quarter Polish ancestry. So white. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, he was once roommate with actor and comedian T.J. Miller. Huh. He enrolled in Southwestern Law School in Los Angeles in 2009, but dropped out to return to full-time acting. Interesting. He is married to Mystique from the original X-Men films, <laughs> Rebecca Romain. Really? And Jer- Yes. Jerry O'Connell. It is Jerry O'Connell. No, it's Vern Tessio. It'll always be Vern Tessio to me. <laughs> he, uh, he, went, uh, he dropped out of acting and went to law school and then changed his mind? Yeah. Look at him. Look at him. All right. Uh, I wasn't going to start with Stand By Me because that's such a limited thing that I figured if I said that, I was going to mm-hmm. start with. He was in Jerry Maguire, <laughs> Body Shots, Mission to Mars, Tom Katz, Scream 2, Kangaroo Jack, and uh, Calendar Girl, Camp Wilder, and then move on to uh, his uh, television show, My Secret Identity, which I watched all the time growing up because it was the rare superhero show mm. on uh, television, followed by Sliders, which I feel is his most <laughs> famous work. Maybe, yeah. I mean, Jerry Maguire is watched by a ton of people who aren't us, but I would have got it from Tom yeah. Katz. Yeah, I would have yeah. got it from Tom Katz or, um, oh, uh, uh, Parada. Uh, oh, 3D. Piranha 3D. God, he's funny. Right. That. Yeah. <laughs> he gets eaten. Oh, yeah. He's, he's the girl's gone wild guy. Uh, yeah, it turns out. And now, and now when I watch Mystery Science Theater 3000 on Pluto TV, I'm constantly reminded he is hosting the Pictionary Game Show. Oh. Huh. Pick it up. Pick it up right. wherever you can. So live in. Yeah, but, I mean, it gives hope to little chubby kids everywhere. That's true. That he could... There's a woman out there who married John Stamos and then left him and then married the chubby nerd. Mm-hmm. And married the Neville Longbottom. Look at that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that. The, Amer- the American Neville Longbottom. <laughs> um, wow. That's, that's That about ends the show. Patreon.com slash LazerTime. What a great close. On the charts 30 years ago, Mary Jane's Last Dance. and like So good. I uh, love this video, too, which is referencing a really, really obscure Marcel Marceau movie. And well, just as a Floridian, my dad grew up uh, near the Petties and shit, um, or went to college around them. Yeah, Tom Petty has made quite a quite a just quite an impact on this entire state. I don't know anybody of any type loves Tom Petty out here. And uh, I, the last wedding I went to, his music was orchestrally done for the wedding. Aww. Oh, um, nice. The Ooh. highest viewed video game trailer ever has Tom Petty. And this was right when I was starting to buy albums. And Full Moon Fever was an album that had cred for like five years. And then it's like greatest hits time. So everybody in my generation owns that greatest hits album because it had one huge hit off of it. And this uh, Mary Jane's Last Dance and every other song was amazing. Uh, So who didn't own this album? I'm considering buying it again on vinyl. Uh, But yeah, we'll close out with Mary Jane's Last Dance. It's not about marijuana. Stop it, children. Um, (laughs) It's about Kim Basinger's corpse. Duh. (laughs) The video is so creepy. But yes, it is. uh, It's a very obscure reference. You don't have to get the reference to know that. Yeah, it's about a guy falling in love with a dead body and wanting to reanimate her. But all right, oh, we'll... and it's so gothic and creepy. I love it. We will close out with that. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you next week. Well, I 
Time to kill 